Welcome back to another episode. It's another week here on the Unorthodox Film Podcast. Uh, we're very excited this week to have another guest with us. Uh, Fred Evans is going to be here with us a little bit later. Um, last week, we had Matt Santia in, and he helped discuss with us movies that were about or involving music, but were not musicals or biopics. That's correct. And he had a suggestion for The Piano Teacher, which ended up being our random watch of the week. And so the three of us, uh, Quinn, Joseph, and myself, yeah. decided to watch it, as is the flow of the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, Quinn, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of The Piano Teacher? Oh, man, it was, it was disturbing, which is, which is okay for a movie to do, but it just it wouldn't, it wouldn't cut. There were some times where we had like a, a five-minute take of just the most unsettling thing, whether it was her, like, trying to make out with her mom in a, in a bed or mm -hmm. like her doing her having her like boyfriend or whatever that guy was like doing everything she asked him to do but it's like rape because she doesn't actually want it or it was just it was so unsettling and disturbing and honestly everything Matt promised it would be so I'm not I don't know why I was so surprised but yeah, that's true he did say it was yeah. going to be uncomfortable it was it, it was yeah. it was that it was definitely uncomfortable it was purposely uncomfortable it didn't really make me personally uncomfortable but i was like this is this is it odd. wasn't enjoyable that's it, what i mean this like, is weird by discomfort it wasn't like um it wasn't exciting it wasn't like the the normal emotions you feel when watching a movie it definitely did not have mm -hmm. but i know what you're talking about there were definitely some times where i noticed like the shots would just hold and in fact sometimes they were just on a singular person and the action was taking place off, off camera and yeah. even if it was just a person playing a piano and it was a long extended cut and all you saw was their face and their eyes which is which is interesting because you know i think that's always yeah. a good way to get into the mind's eye of a character but one of the things i didn't really grab from this was any character like there was no point in the movie where i felt i understood the characters at all we didn't get much backstory to it. We were left to the imagination of like what her provocations were towards her uh, predilections. Um, her, her, sure, yeah. You know, like yes, they implied the mother was a bit degrading, and she carried that into her classroom and degraded her students. And you know, you could see this chain of abuse happening. But at the same time, it was very narrow-minded. I feel like that—that's all you knew. So that's all. Well, you that's had. really what I got from it. Is like. It was narrow-minded because her world was narrow-minded. Everything, all worldly pleasures she had given up for just musical mm -hmm. pleasure, right? So mm -hmm. she had this crazy skewed view of what that kind of relationship would be through going to those... The sex shops? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, she thought she wanted certain things, and as soon as it was there, she didn't want it. And, but there, yeah. I mean... It, he, he did less than she asked him to do in writing. Yes. In writing. <laughs> it was a contract. So. And she was definitely overwhelmed. Hell of a list. It was hell of a list. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get to hear all of it. Because no, that it was, was the one time they were cutting away to other stuff. Yeah, he even said one time. Thick, um, I would say there's, there's no argument to the fact that the movie was... Um, you know featuring music and one of the things that i found interesting was the fact that the only music you heard was played on screen there was no soundtrack to it so the amount of silence in the movie yeah was deafening it really was yeah 
The that one time when she broke the glass and poured it into her student's coat pocket. Yeah, and at that point the music was three doors down, so it was muffled, it was muted, and so like cinematically, like there was definitely a lot of character that the movie had. Like there was some things that I was intrigued by in the way it was well done presented. Yeah. But it was definitely an art house movie. Um, for sure it was French is subtitles it, is it something that you'd watch again no me neither are I you mean I wouldn't walk out of the room but I wouldn't put it on like if it, somebody else put it on I wouldn't be like yeah nah I'd just be like oh okay that's what we're doing alright so if if the movie came up in conversation in the in the point two percent chance that it's likely to come up in conversation um what would you what would you really have to say about it to somebody else if they said like oh my god I just watched the piano teacher what would be your first response what did you think of it yeah yeah I'd want to hear because they sound excited I'm not one to be a buzzkill you know what fair I mean? enough what about you Quinn I mean I would so if they, if they had seen it mm-hmm. I would same same question I would I would be like I would be I will, I guess I would just ask them were you disturbed by it but I, I'd more probably just like let them talk and see but um yeah no like. Probably just ask them like, "Were you disturbed?" or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I don't have much to what say about the movie. What did your parents do yeah. to you as a child? Yeah, yeah if, like maybe. if you liked it, then like I'd ask a bunch of other questions and maybe check them into an asylum. But right. <laughs> so I mean, like we all watched it because it was recommended, you know, through the podcast. So I guess I would I would want to know what what made you watch it. Like, was that something that you came across because we saw it on HBO that you came across and was there something in the description that made you decide you wanted to watch it and after watching it you know do you regret do you regret watching it because it's it's a different type of film never seen a film like it honestly never well my my wife and I when we were first dating used to go to the old Royal Oak Main Art Theater you know what I mean yeah so we'd go see art house flicks there and stuff like that on our second date, I think it was, we went and saw Antichrist with Willem Dafoe. And, okay. Uh, whoever the actress is who plays the, his wife was the director's wife. Okay. And that was uh, that was quite the out there movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. I've only seen the opening sequence to that movie, which is <coughs> excuse me insane. Yeah, the whole movie was a bit was a bit crazy. So like, I'm I'm kind of surprised I didn't happen upon it mm-hmm. before this, but like. That was like we went out to do that. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't something that I actively pursue. Like, it's yeah, it's definitely not a, a movie that I feel would, would find its way into finding movies casual is different than it was 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm I'm curious so. how it survived. So it was released in 2001. I hadn't heard of it until Matt had brought it up, and coincidentally, it was on HBO. So I'm curious how a movie like that survives. Like, what is the conversational element that? keeps its relevance or is it something that survives not being relevant like is it something that's going to have uh a, a, a cult following and yeah following. a bigger conversation i mean decades down the line it sounded like it does and i'm not going to say like it's a cult classic but it seems like it has some sort of cult following especially if, if we watched it like for this and matt recommended it mm-hmm. because even if it was just because he's a fan of the director like I mean, a movie like that, it is, it is special in, like, a twisted way, like, like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've never, I haven't seen, like, the amount of movies you guys have seen, but I've, I've seen a lot of movies, and I've never seen one like that, and I've, I've watched my fair share of Art House, but, yeah, that movie was specially uncomfortable, like, yeah, well real, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was its intention, though, it was, it was 
trying to make you uncomfortable or be uncomfortable and convey right what these emotions and moments could be like uh, so it's a story from wh whoever was telling it right mm -hmm. but not one for everybody okay uh, did you guys like learn anything watching it like um like obviously it made us feel uncomfortable but did we like what did you, i it was hard i was trying to like take it take away something from it like some sort of lesson like hidden in the the film yeah did you guys take anything away i i think i did um kind of what we were talking about like the long takes um not that i would use them in the same way but i definitely learned that limiting the amount of times you cut the camera away from something can be incredibly impactful and possibly yeah. more impactful than shoving a lot in your face so i definitely took that away um the director and the director of photography definitely knew what they were doing with their minimalist approach to it and um the movie that i i've seen by that director and i I should pull the guy's name up, but he also did White Ribbon, which I did watch with Matt, and that was something I, watch, I noticed in that one as well, is he uses very long takes. They're not exactly roaming oneers. A lot of it was static, but he could leave the camera in one spot for a good five to ten minutes, and a lot would happen, but because the camera wasn't changing, like, stuff would happen, in like, specifically in White Ribbon, there's a scene where... Um, the camera is outside of a boy's bedroom and then you see down the hallway to the family dining room the father goes past the camera into the boy's bedroom and disciplines the boy off camera so you hear whipping the siblings and the mother are now front frame and observing that and then finding their way into the dining room and then father comes out walks past the camera down into the dining room the family follows closes the dining room door then the boy slowly walks in and closes the door and it's one of those flapping doors and then the scene proceeds to where you start hearing the forks and knives on the plate before the camera ever cuts and it I mean I'm just I was so fucking impactful because of how that was done like I, I don't think that the scene would have had the uncomfortable nature that at least uh, improved upon it and, and definitely sure, mastered yeah, that I technique. I can see that, yeah. Um, so that's that's what I think I took away from that. My takeaway would be don't be an overbearing parent. Yeah. Let your kids be kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I sexual think, repression is a terrible thing. Yes. I think the mom was, like, the secret villain of the movie, like, because obviously both characters are, like, bad. I mean, the, the piano teacher is, like, openly bad, and the, mm -hmm. the kid is, like, I mean, I, I want to say she brings it brings out of them, but, like, does he like i mean does she like the way yeah, he, i'm not sure where his character yeah. ends at the end i agree with you there like she was doing some pretty racy and raunchy stuff on her own but she was doing it on her own i think right? ultimately he was he the was catalyst and was no longer innocent by the end and i think yeah. he was definitely conflicted with that i don't think he was innocent i think he was just as bad but he didn't know it do you okay. think? Do you think the way he initially came onto her was bad writing? Yes, that's, I don't, know, writing? I don't think yeah. it was bad writing. I think it was part like a gesture towards his it, his, just, his um, foul character. It's yeah, just, it's hard for me to say because I, I kind of feel that like man, that young man had never been turned down a day in his life till that teacher turned him true. down, and that's then he true. was obsessed with her. That is unhealthy. Off, like out of the gate. If you didn't pick up on that, maybe you should turn a mirror. Yeah. No, overall, just, <laughs> overall, enough, I yeah. don't know that I could say that the writing in the whole film was good he you know, climbed I don't in know the stall over maybe, the door maybe i'm not the one to be able to she was on the pisser yeah to really red flag yeah. fellas red flag <laughs> yeah 
uh, to really decide whether or not it was good writing or not. I didn't care for the writing for most of the film because I felt the arc itself was was very flat. Yeah. Um, there Agreed. was a for a two-hour movie, a lot felt like I was waiting for like what's the conflict with like there was very 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 slow build up, and while that works in a lot of a lot of movies to a really good way, even what that built up to, I still thought like what ended up being the climax. I felt would have been a great second act. And then maybe something crazier for a third act, but that yeah, it just wasn't it that just, kind of movie. It, yeah, it, it went flat on me there. Like when she grabbed the knife in the kitchen, I was like, "Is she finally going to kill her mother yeah, or something?" Right. And, and then she just mutilates herself a little more mildly. And, and like leaves. it wasn't even that serious. Just leaves. Yeah. I was like, mm. eh. So anything else you guys want to say it about the piano teacher? It definitely for a two-hour and ten-minute movie, it felt like two and a half hours. It felt long. It felt really yeah. long. Quinn, yeah. anything else you want to add? that long wouldn't watch it again but glad i watched it honestly yeah like would I, you recommend it to anybody if someone came to me and was like hey i'm looking to feel really disturbed by like an, an artful film that isn't a horror movie i would recommend the piano teacher all right uh, so i think with that we're gonna take our first break when we come back we are gonna have fred evans in the seat and uh we are going to talk about movies about drugs yeah movie with drugs in the plot or as a mainstay as a mainstay all right so we will be right back and we're back <laughs> all right so we have there you go you got it you got good her. to go Ooh, you, some head on that one and brush it off get the foley <laughs> <laughs> welcome back so, to the unorthodox fred, podcast fred evans welcome. welcome welcome buddy, buddy. good to have you oh yeah good to have you man. oh i'm leaving yeah. you hanging here no you good um, so Fred is a friend of ours from set. Fred, uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about you. Um, I am Fred Evans. I am primarily a sound mixer. Uh, me and my wife run a company, About Right Media Group. Uh, we mostly focus on sound mixing as a service, uh, but my other backgrounds is editing, uh, writing, and I'm getting more into directing. Um, I had no idea I was going to be in film. No, my past life none whatsoever, huh? Absolutely, I was. What IT. was the original trajectory? It. Yeah, that was that, that was fits. My that fits. I got some it questions for you. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was it. We originally bonded over computer talk and, yeah. and editing talk. So yeah, yeah we, we sure were getting did. our computers together for the editing. For the yeah. editing, yeah, we sure were, and it all worked out really well. We're yeah. pretty satisfied with what we have. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gaming behemoth, but it's even more powerful for editing. They yeah. could all be gaming. It's yeah. video, right? Video <laughs> processing is video processing, yep. right? Yep, literally. You know, yep. as, long as, if you're, as long as you're using it right. Yep. Um, so we asked you on today uh, to help discuss movies that are about or featuring drugs. Mm -hmm. Our friend uh, Matt Santia left us with that last week when uh, he joined us. Um, you were telling me a little bit uh, beforehand that you aren't a huge movie watcher. Which is ironic because, again, I had no idea I was going to be in film, but I grew up on music and video games so that's where i got my inspiration for writing and uh yeah i wasn't never a huge movie buff because i, I found like music was very portable for mm -hmm. me so i could always travel and listen to music and isolate with with movies i felt like it was a lot of commitment for me to have to sit there and watch the movie right the, the roles are reversed now like i can watch movies all day but yeah in the past that wasn't my upbringing 
So I, what about uh, television? Was there a lot of television viewing? Cartoons. Cartoons? <laughs> yeah. So now, like... Saturday morning cartoons? Pretty much, yeah. Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, like anime. Okay, that's not... Yeah. That's not all that old school. Or Cartoon Network. Oh, uh, Nickelodeon. Cartoon Network. Some Dexter's Lab. <laughs> Classic. Courage the Courage. Too, courage. Yeah. too courage. stupid dogs. Ed, Ed, yeah. <laughs> Angry uh, Beavers. Angry Bro. Cat Dog. I watched every single one of those. In- Big fan. So I, I didn't have... Hey Arnold. I didn't have cable growing up. So for me, my first like real experience with Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon was when I went to college my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I discovered Dexter. I discovered Courage. Ah, real monsters. Uh, you know, it was whatever was on repeat. Then was um, my favorite. Dude. I love it. I, I totally missed out. I had, the, I had the ABC Saturday morning version of Doug. I never got the, like the original the episodes of Doug. Because, I mean, he... His whole friend, they all changed colors Excuse, yeah, by the time yeah, I saw yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> they made them more friendly. Clearly that. different people by the time I saw them. <laughs> they, they normalized them. The beats. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I get that. I, I get that. I grew up a lot on cartoons. Saturday mornings was like the only time that we had free reign in my house to watch TV. Normally mm-hmm. during the week, you had one hour after school. So you chose two cartoon blocks on Channel 20 or Channel 50 that you yep. got to watch. And on Saturday, the earliest you could get up to the time they stopped showing it when basketball came on, you could watch yeah. whatever you could fit in. That was yep. it, yep. So, I mean, I, I even remember the, Simpsons. the yeah. what was it, the cartoon superstars against drugs or whatever it was. I, I actually came across that when I was doing research for this. Uh, it was like an hour-long episode that aired. It was uh, multi-aired on ABC, NBC, and I believe CBS. Like, mm-hmm. they, they played the same show for an hour, and it featured... Um, cartoon crossovers like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had uh, some WWF wrestlers were made, you know, a, a stop on. That. I don't remember all the cast members. The it was Reagans, just this, man. this bonkers. It was this bonkers ass <laughs> hour long cartoon like menagerie to just keep just kids off of drugs. No. Right. So yeah. Um, so that leads us in. Are you ready to talk about drug movies with us? Yeah, that was surprisingly like out of all the movies that I had to had my upbringing was watching hood movies involuntarily involuntarily so, i don't remember a lot of how many them, times have you seen blood in blood out once okay. ironically uh other stuff was like thicker than water or um like i don't even know if you listen to um juice juice yeah that crazy <laughs> ass movie that was a crazy weird movie yeah uh, good. Good <laughs> i'm trying to think uh yeah it was mostly like hood movies in my upbringing but when i got larger into watching more movies then i started you know watching some of the bigger pictures mm-hmm. and um yeah i'm just glad i'm not a product of my environment with these movies because that was like all they used to watch yeah in my my family and stuff like that i'm just like i'm gonna get you I sucker hate. yep that menace to society all that good okay. stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um, do you feel comfortable starting us out today or do you want me to throw yeah. it over to joe yeah so you said four uh, four. We're going to do four. four. You don't have to throw all four at me. Give me one. One. Okay. Pontificate a little bit. We'll do some discussing, and then Joe will go. I will go, and it'll be back to you. Okay. So the one that I really like was uh, obviously like Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. I saw that you had that on your list I as did. well. Which that movie has inspired me so much in terms of like how uh, Scorsese handles his comedy moments. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that movie could have been done any differently without Jonah. 
Oh, hundred percent. Because I think that's Jonah Hill's like big turn for like down. if you didn't take yes. him seriously before that. Yes. That 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 has to be the moment where you're like, oh shit, this guy's fucking for real. Yes. Yeah. He can fucking act. Yeah. Oh, he, he was excellent in Moneyball too, but he was excellent in Moneyball. I don't want to discredit him for that. Different caliber. But I think the yeah. the risks that he took in bringing that character life in yep. Wolf of Wall Street, I think, because sometimes that's what actors have to do. Like it's good to put on a good performance, but when you see them, and, and not to tangent too far, but um, one of the recent movies, uh, Babylon, which has been shit on a lot, I do highly recommend you all see it. Mm. But Margot Robbie specifically in that movie. Um, you can tell in her performance she had to step aside for a moment and be like, this is not Margot. This is this character, and I have to let go of whatever anyone thinks. And the things mm. that she was willing to do on camera for that character yep. was rewarding on screen. Yeah. And I think Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street was a was a good example of that. Yeah. He, he nice. did that one very naturally. And, I, man, he, he took a whole pay cut for that movie. Really? Uh, oh, he he took a huge. Yeah. I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was somewhere in like the the fifty thousand mark where no he kidding. just did that whole. You know, I, I believe it's worked for him. I haven't seen a lot of his new stuff, but he's directing now. He's yep. uh, he's got a documentary out where he talks one on one with he was, a he was psychologist. Hung, he was I'd like hungry to see for that role. He went, yes, he was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm I'm doing this role. It's Scorsese. I want mm -hmm. yep. you know, it was like a. What's a bucket list? He wanted to be oh, on a Scorsese, sure. and then he just fell in love with that character. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he was like, "This is the guy that can take me over the top," and it did. He 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 went for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's done a, a a standard Jonah Hill movie since then. No, uh, yeah, because I know he's been doing more directing, like the mid '90s movies. Mm -hmm. um, well, the last one he acted in was. Um, what was that you people or yeah the Netflix? on Netflix, which yeah, I haven't yeah. seen. I, I, I've heard was, mixed I've reviews not, yeah, on it. I've terrible. not seen it terrible. Yeah. What would you it was, say was terrible about? I plan it? on watching it. it just the, yeah. chemi the everybody the chemistry, knows that the chemistry right? was the, the not chemistry. there. Did between... you hear about the the CGI kiss? Yes, at the, the end? CGI. I had to watch that clip. I, I, yeah. I had to watch that clip. I was like, "Is this for real?" <laughs> and I had to show my wife because. <laughs> Like if that you're was, gonna, if you have to do it that way, which why? Come on, you. Well, yeah. they, so they cut, they cut like but. right before the kiss, and then they just morphed it, and and it came out. Someone on set was Not like, "Yeah, no, I saw it. Back. I was there." And they <laughs> they morphed it, and you could see the leaves, the little pellets of flowers fall. Like, oh man, dude, but why? It, I feel like with that movie, I mean, just do another take. Oh well, yeah, they, I they think just, legit like they it, didn't have no chemistry. Yeah, like, they felt like it wasn't going to be any better. Like I guess basically what we're learning is, had they physically done it, it wouldn't have looked any more real than yeah. them digitally pushing their lips together. Because <laughs> my thing is like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, like do it better. Like make it like can, there's ways to sell that. Yeah, like, sure. I'm not saying it's easy. No, I agree sure, with it's you. It's fucking hard and tedious, <laughs> but. You already spent that much. What's yeah. another? Day but we just or two? got done talking about how great of an actor he is. So I know he can he can create feelings within him. Mm -hmm. right. How could you not fake a kiss? Yeah, right. I, this is one. Just put your lips together. You're actors. Like this that's got to be do. one of the easier yeah. things to do. Okay, but that well, was let's throughout. let's go back to Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we are we okay. Thank you, Joe. Let's Thank not, you, Joe. Let's not focus just. John <laughs> Hill was great in it, but that's what fair. about the unscripted moment with Matthew McConaughey with the. Yeah, the, that was unscripted. Oh, oh, that was completely so, improv. That was yes. so uncomfortable. 
like just watching that scene. Really? Yeah. I love dude. You it was felt power. It was, Leo. It was powerful yeah. for me too. Like I was on Leo's side. I was just like, what the fuck is this guy? When that movie came out, like that, when that movie came out, I was on a path kept it in for. Yeah. It was so. <laughs> I was on a path for getting into a sales career when that movie came out. And I was like, okay, so I know this lead character is not someone that we want to be like, but obviously yep. he's demonstrative of success, yep. right? So let me take away from this. You know, there's got to be something in there that you can learn from. And at the end of the day, I was like, man, I am not going to start using cocaine. <laughs> First and foremost, first and foremost, no. Try to throw bread. It might work no. for you. You're not no. getting into training. I have. It does not work for me. The scene, the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio is so baked out of his fucking mind that he has to crawl out of the Lamborghini and pull his ass up the stairs. With the is cinematic yeah. gold. So, oh, so good. That yeah. performance that he put on to make himself as limp as possible was not only entertaining, like I chuckled, but at the same time I was incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Incredibly uncomfortable. I thought he was going to like really and hurt impressed. himself. Yeah. yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, like, was... I was rooting for him. I'm like, go, 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 yeah. you can do it. I, at first, I thought it was like kind of a, a thrilling scene, but when he got his legs stuck on the door trying to get inside, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is pure comedy. He's having such a hard time. And I was I was sold when when him and Jonah like met at the kitchen. He's like, you're right, dude. He's just like, you know, just quailing out of his mind and the Heimlich maneuver. Just, yeah. <laughs> That whole thing was just... Growing up, we, I was always a Martin Scorsese fan, but that movie, to me, is like the penultimate. Like, a lot of filmmakers, a lot of people in any in any industry, you know, a lot of times the, their benchmarks are early in their career, and then they just keep making stuff. We just yeah. keep watching it or keep listening to it. But for me, like, we can't all hit gold every time, so I'm not going to put that on anybody. Right. But the fact that he has so many good movies back in the 80s, the 90s, and even the 70s, and then to come out with that one in the mid-aughts yes. to be as as brilliant as it yeah. was yes is, is it, not only astounding to me but still uplifting. growing as a yeah moment. it's uplifting exactly. to me that he can because again he's always going to get hit with that you know we talked earlier about the two hour time mark like at this point it's pretty much standard i can't yep. sit down in the evening and pick a movie anymore because it's like i don't have fucking two hours and ten yep. minutes i just fucking don't yep. you know but he says this story needs to be told in two and a half hours that's what i'm going to do and it didn't at all feel like that. The no, movie no. jumps, and that's that's Unlike actually the piano teacher. That felt like a ninety-minute movie that in felt two and a half so hours. So goddamn long. Yeah, and that's what always prevents teacher. me when I have to get into movies. Matt. I'm like, when I see that two and a half hour mark, I'm like. I don't know, man. I might have to fragment this in like mm -hmm. segments. And people and say that. People are like, well, why don't you just take a break? And I'm like, you know what? I get that. But if that were the case, I would watch a TV show. Exactly. Like, the experience yep. of watching a movie, I want to be able to absorb it all in one sitting. Yep. And it's on me if I can't make it through it, if I'm just too incontinent and I got to get up and piss, whatever. But that's it's not the point. The point is, like, cause it's not even just the bathroom. I get ADHD and start grabbing my phone. Yeah. You know, I start looking yep. at my emails. Right. I start thinking yep. about, like, can I start yep. making some work calls? Can I start doing this? Can and I start you made doing me think that? Of, like, these people are like, well, you got to watch it a second time to catch. I was like, look, if it was told right, the foreshadowing would be, like, blatant enough but hidden enough exactly. mm -hmm. that I don't have to mm -hmm. think back. I'll remember without. And now in these movies, sometimes they're like, 
they do the foreshadow and then they cut back to the foreshadow mm-hmm. to remind you remember when this happened like that's just spoon feeding that's too much for mm-hmm. me. you know what i mean so it's one of those there's always been something about martin scorsese's storytelling that that like subverts that he yes. he brings you in and he's always been able to tell these massively epic stories with Without, banter yeah with a lot of banter in it and because like like with writing is very subtle yeah mm-hmm. you also can't miss it mm-hmm. but it, it makes a second watch rewarding as face. opposed to completing right. the, the the feeling yes yep. um so yeah i i would i would definitely stick on that uh watch wolf of wall street yeah uh joe what uh what do you want to start us out with this week what's your first okay. recommendation okay well i got quite the list here and uh not sure where I want to start, but yeah, let's. So it's it's a newer one for me. Okay. Which, which is this is off kill for me. It's a uh, twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. It's called Spiderhead. Oh, with Chris Hemsworth and uh, Miles okay. Teller, Tess Hobrick, uh, Journey Smollett. Yeah. No, I've not heard of this one. Tell us about hmm. a couple Spiderhead? more. Spiderhead. Couple more people. Yeah, Spiderhead. It's a Netflix movie. I was going to say. It came out in 2020. Two inmates from a, for, form a connection while grappling with their past in a state-of-the-art penitentiary run by a brilliant visionary who experiments on his subjects with mind-altering drugs. Hmm. So Chris Hemsworth is a doctor who does experiments with drugs on, and they're like, mo- like behavioral modification drugs, and it's really just messed up. But in an interesting kind of way. So, I mean, I would put it kind of on a level with the piano teacher because it is kind of disturbing. You know, there's... Some... Was it boring? No, not at all. Hmm. So, I guess, uh, never mind that <laughs> Matt with his Just the Guys is a bad, bad movie. <laughs> so I, I picked a, a, a Have you good, ever seen Just movie. One of the Guys from the nope. 80s? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't weigh in on this. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I even called it. Yeah, it's a good bad movie or a bad good movie, whatever you want to call. Th- throw. I which, said it was tropastic, and it is. It is, and he was like a bad bad movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I don't. I can't rightfully call most movies a bad well, bad we'll, movie outright, and I still wouldn't do that to the piano teacher, Matt. We'll bring but, we'll bring Matt back in and, and have a conversation. So, so sell me on to. sell me on Spiderhead. Spiderhead. It's just okay. So it's he's he's doing these. Experiments on convicts. Who who is the he? Who, what character? What actress playing the this doctor? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, this the Hemsworth. Doctor. Really? Yeah, that, I, I said that already. I was typing. I'm re-clarifying. Okay, the doctor, Chris Hemsworth. Thank you, Thor. Or whatever you know. So one of the Hemsworth brothers. One of them. Right. You got it. Okay. Come is up. the doctor, and he's doing experiments on ex-cons though. Right. Okay. So on ex-cons, and so they technically sign up for this treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So they're giving consent. Oh. But the kinds of experiments, like some of these drugs make you like incredibly like maliciously violent. Mm-hmm. And these so, could like, already be maliciously violent criminals. Right. Okay. And some of them make you just like straight up horny. And some of them like so like he has some of these people like talk like just talking about spending time t- in their happiest moments and then the next session they're like duking it out to mm-hmm. like like almost the brink of death and then the next session they're like can't resist each other in lust and then like wow. when the, the drug wears off they just click back to normal and like but they remember all of it oh okay oh. and they're all locked down in this compound i mean you can imagine 
Yeah. Like the kind of palpability that are they up. are they locked down solo or are they locked in a room with the cellmate? No, they they have their own rooms. Okay. But like the like the you know there's a, a common area with where they eat and you know. Does this movie take a realistic approach or is it more like a, That's what uh, I was gonna ask. Yeah, more like a like a horror. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. Like what's the what's the uh, it starts what's the marketing pitch of the movie. I mean, I'm. I, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here. phrasing. I'm not phrasing it right. Was this supposed it's, to be like a horror it's movie? Is supposed drugs. to be? Uh... Yeah, I would say it's a psychological thriller. Okay. You know, but yeah, there is a bit of mystery to it. You okay. know what I mean? Because you don't really know what's going on. You discover it as it unfolds in front of you, and there's ends up being like a mutiny, and mm -hmm. you know all the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Think, I mean, I'm sold on the cast. Mm -hmm. That's a think, pretty strong yeah, cast. Think Doctor Moreau's Island for the 2020s. Modern days. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So does this doctor, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. one of the Thor brothers, does he, is this all a hypothesis for him? I mean, don't ruin anything. Is it, When they pitch it, when he goes in as a viewer, do you think he knows what he's doing? Or is this whole thing just willy-nilly for him and he's going to find out what he finds out? Does he have a goal in yeah, mind? Yeah, you, you think he's, like, he's taking notes and stuff and you kind of, that's part of where the mystery comes in. Okay. The, the people... The convicts start asking, asking questions the same because they questions. do have like sessions with him where he they he asks oh. them about their progress and stuff like that. Okay. And yeah, I mean it's it's really okay. Interesting. I'm I'm curious. Like this is what I'm looking for. It's, Chris Chris's character it's is gripping. He, is he playing? Okay. A, um, pulls you in. Is he playing a more serious role or is he playing like a sort of not comedic but more lighthearted, goofy kind of? It's a good question. Yeah, he, he, so it is, is a, a it is a more serious role, mm -hmm. but it also has that kind of lightheartedness that he, you're comfortable coming from him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But it is a more serious role. Is okay. he believable in his performance? Definitely. I don't okay. think he's a bad actor. I think no, he's been yeah. no, and I think this positioned. really showcases his diversity because, like, you you watch him like smiling and exactly. convincingly yeah. to this patient, and he turns around and he's like. You know, and he gets really angry, and like, and as soon as he turns back around, he's just good old doctor, whatever his name is. You know. Yeah. So. How many of his patients does he bench press? <laughs> you gotta tune in and watch. Because <laughs> <laughs> I see he's been playing a lot more serious roles outside of Thor. He's like been the, in the MCU for so long; it's time. I think all of them need to start stretching their legs. Otherwise, yep. it's it for them. Yep. You know, they're just going to keep getting the calls. Robert Downey Jr. was like, fuck Iron Man. I'm not doing Iron Man, any yeah. Man anymore. He has he did yeah. Dr. Doodle, shot himself in the foot. Now he's like, yeah, I'll do Iron Man again. <laughs> no one else is calling. The director of that was Joseph Kaczynski. Not familiar with him. It, it was good. It was really good. So hmm. Spiderhead. And that was what year? 2022. 2022 on Netflix. Yeah, it came out last year on Netflix. That's Interesting. Right. That's, Netflix is terrible with it. They have so many movies. So I was going to say like... I can't keep up no, with the content. Because somehow that hasn't been, like, I'm not even familiar with, like, a flash frame yeah. of that. Normally you'd, you'd get something, but yep. they keep pushing stupid shit towards me. And they used to have a good algorithm. They used to really nail what well, was I coming like out. I like sci-fi and fantasy me and too. dystopian stuff. And this is kind of, like, it meets in there, you know. Mm -hmm. it, as do I. And my, my watching habits on there would, would also indicate to Netflix that that would be something I'd be interested in. But I can't even, I, I'll be honest. Of all the streaming services I have, I log in in Netflix now the, the least. least. Yeah, so exactly. I don't know yep. what is most currently because I, I log in there real quick and I'm like, ah, I don't. It's just, it's just full of shit. I don't. And, 
And I think it's because they since they started doing more originals, less like, you know, uh, TV shows coming in, movies coming in. Ne- less nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it creates an audience that has to really be invested in Netflix. And um, it, it kind of reminds me of like, if you're a, a musician and you're doing like a concert and you perform a new song, nobody's going to rock to it because they don't, they have to listen to the song again. Right. And just it doesn't have it. that that implanted feeling yeah. that the classics have. Yeah, and you're not releasing a new song at the concert. Exactly. You want to do it the week before so people come in bobbing their And it's head. not that I'm yep. against new content. Like, mm-hmm. we, we strive on new content, but because we're in an age and an era of... How they represent it. Like, yeah. there's just no way to... Like, you can't go to your local... What's coming out this week at your exactly. local Oversaturated. paper? Oversaturated. that. And, yep. I mean, there have been some shows on, on Netflix that... Well, what was it? Teenage, uh, teenage bounty hunters teenage had bounty one hunters. one fucking season. It was awesome. It was an I, awesome show. I, laughed, I think it was poorly marketed, but they just went and canceled. I was like, man, this this show like really just hit a stride. Yeah. Uh, at least a second season could have been really fun. Yeah, but they they're just dropping stuff off so quick. Yeah, you know if it doesn't catch. But here's the thing: How I put is it shit gonna on catch if it, there's no push. I don't y- see a billboard. I need exactly. that time. A magazine cover. And exactly. I know uh, we're dinosaurs. These are arcade, but they they still use these things. They still work. You can't just publish like ads on Facebook and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know you have to still use the old print. Mm-hmm. You know, not as much maybe, but. Uh, we're, they're they're going to figure it out. We're definitely living in a um, communication overload uh-huh. and with this in this day of technology where... Data overload, yeah. We're getting hit with so much. All of these different products are coming yeah, out. 15 streaming yeah. services. <laughs> my wish list or my dedicated queues are so long. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't. I get overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, and with this type of media, it's about mood. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm someone, I watch a lot of different things. But something like Piano Teacher, had it been in my wheelhouse, it still only would have been in my wheelhouse on a certain oh, day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It definitely moods the thing. So, like, I'll be searching through just trying to find something that does strike my mood. Because exactly. I want something new, but I want it to be of a quality that I'm, you know, because sometimes you're like, oh, this sounds good. You put it on and you're like, it's horribly dubbed. Yeah. And I don't yeah. care that it's yeah. foreign, but it, I mean subtitles would have been better than that horrible dubbery yeah you know stuff like that but but i have the my list like every time like that sounds interesting i save it if i'm not in the mood for it now like i don't want to watch this now but i maybe and then i come back to it it still sounds good then you finally oh yeah i'm in the mood for that you hit play and you're like oh it's crazy yeah and that's the fear that's the fear like when you you expect when you go into netflix at the end of the day you want to just scroll and watch something quick, but instead you got to do all this research and you feel like you invest in too much of your time and it's going to be a crap movie. It sometimes takes me the time I have allotted to watch a movie to find a movie to watch. Yep. And yeah. And I'm yep. like, okay, yeah. well, I yeah. guess then I just mark <laughs> this for tomorrow. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm, I'm back not to in the South mood Park. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like just watch your reruns of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on. I'm going to throw out a recommendation. I think um, you guys have a little bit different tones going, so uh, I have one that I'm going to put in here because um, I don't know where else it would go in conversation. And this one is Will Ferrell's Everything Must Go. Hmm. Oh, okay, Have you seen yeah, this? I have. It's been a have while. Have you seen this one? Seen it no. once. So Everything Must Go, Will Ferrell is, I believe he's like a salesman or a marketing something, but the movie opens with him losing his job. And the problem is he is a terrible alcoholic. 
and mm. his wife has no empathy for him whatsoever that he's lost his job. So not only does he lose his job, but he loses his house because he shows up and she's like, obviously this has been coming out, out with you. So the movie from there takes place in his front yard because she just throws all his shit out there. Everything <laughs> must go right and so now he's living in his front yard in a yard sale trying to as show he's, all <laughs> as he's overcoming and dealing with and what i found Brilliantly so awkward incredible about it was i believe him see the year this came out i believe it was like 2010 but it was it was right after his high of you know anchorman and all of those mm. Adam McKay type features that this was something completely different mm -hmm. in what this you expected the, out of Will Ferrell he did, he did two like that he did uh uh, the it? one where, where he played like a, a character in a story yeah like self-fiction or something like that or oh yes um whatever stranger but than it, fiction stranger than fiction and then he meet, did so he did these two movies mm -hmm. right after his like comic strip. right like this would be his true show right so his, yeah. his step movie. aside from that the the thing you're used to him doing stranger yeah. than fiction was also very good and uh it just related it does a really good job, and I, and I chose this one because it features alcohol, and the way that it goes about it, I, I just, I think it's important to highlight the fact that alcohol is as much of a drug as yeah, anything oh, else yeah. is Most out there, yes. and for us to undermine it as is being acceptable, because you can go to any it's corner store and get it, you know, we ignore the fact that it can be just as dangerous to a family or to a career, yep. and... Um, simultaneous with that it was probably hands down one of my favorite will ferrell performances ever that it's definitely on my list of recommendations to to go out and check out yeah yep. he's very good it's it's a different side of him that most people aren't used to mm -hmm. but i believe i mean i love everything he's ever done and i just like yeah some of the slapstick stuff i mean it's great but it's not why he's great mm -hmm. you know what i mean sure mm -hmm. make the money for the studio so that they can let you do what is actually brilliant about right you. like because he does have an amazing singing voice oh kind yeah. of joke about it in Step Brothers, but he's yeah so talented and that's the thing about comedy actors like they are extremely good at doing or branching off into outside comedy, comedy. Is the hardest thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Zach Galifianakis and uh, Birdman, phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, in a more serious role, um, comedy actors really can knock it out of the park. It's just, I guess, if they get typecasted or put it's into that typecasting, box, all of a sudden they get put in yep. and. No one wants to hire him from anything else. They Ex want that Will Ferrell type, and then Will Ferrell shows up and does something different. They're like, yeah, but can you do the fat, silly guy thing? Exactly. And like, then you have the opposite side of the spectrum with John C. Riley, who is an amazing actor, but started off more serious. Much more yeah. serious. And now like, yep. he had to like almost earn his way into mm -hmm. the comedy. Because most comedic actors start off as comedians yep. and then move into acting. Mm -hmm. So to do it the other way it's nice to see that yeah it can go but it, it's obviously very difficult to do to outlive your typecast right? yeah directors for sure. and casting agents want from you what they well, the, think the audience the wants, problem with typecasting to do as an artist mm -hmm. even as viewers when when artists are typecast we eventually just get tired of that oh yeah 
You know, like, okay, yep. cool. Yeah, like this guy being that guy again. Yep. Right. And, and Adam Sandler, actor, I think, is a great example. Oh, yeah. Hidden Gems? Or uh, Uncut, Uncut, Uncut Gems. Gems. Yeah. yeah, man. But yeah, he's been Adam Sandler for 20 years. Now, just, you know, for the first 20 years, he was just Adam Sandler. Then he was able to step out of that with, like, Punch Drunk Love. And, yep. mm -hmm. But it was still, like, I think Punch Drunk Love was almost too, Punch Drunk Love was almost too early in his career. Because Probably. it kind of, it, it, I, mean, I liked it was, Punch it, it was a Love, cult classic, but it was... A box office flop like there mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. no it's not even in a discussion of pt anderson movies mm -hmm. right and it's just it's one of my favorites i love that movie it, it was so awkward and uncomfortable it in did an just way. well enough for him to keep doing those kinds of movies mm -hmm. but it like i don't think it really hit home until uncut gems and then uh this then the latest one he just said so hustle. The hustle i want to see that one so really? see it so I really good. wanted to see that one. That so that's amazing. a Netflix one where he plays a basketball coach, and it's yeah, also like very not. serious, very true to life. And I, the trailer for it is is incredibly moving. He is so into Wow, I've not heard of it. Brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah. how far. Well, if so I it. saw a, um, a a theater trailer for it. It was playing with another movie I saw in the in the theater, and I was like, oh my god, this is a Netflix movie. And that was some months before it was going to be released. Mm -hmm. Then it released to absolute silence. And then it just, because Netflix just keeps pushing stuff out. So it's like once it's on the platform, they stop talking about, they're talking about the next thing. So to our earlier conversation, stuff just gets fucking buried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I much. highly recommend it. Anything that Adam Sandler does that isn't comedic, I will recommend. He's, yeah. He's amazing. Interesting. He's funny too. But I think he is. <laughs> and I, and I, but I, I think. Like that newest Adam Sandler-esque one that he did because Uncut Gems didn't win an Oscar yeah. or whatever. Hubie. Uh, Hubie. Hubie, Hubie Halloween. Halloween. I love it. If you like Billy Madison and yeah, yeah. Happy Gilmore, that's I an Adam it on Sandler your recommendation. for you. And I avoided mm. it for the same reasons that I ended up liking it. And it was just the fact that I had to let go to the fact that I just needed to watch a stupid Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. I didn't get anything more out of it than that. It was fun. And... You know, I watch it during the season, so I got that out of it. It's and probably the last funny thing Kevin James has done since his uh, first stand-up. I'm not kidding. I don't remember him in that movie. <laughs> I don't remember him in that movie. Um, okay, Fred. Um, look here. So, ooh, this is a tough one. I'm I'm one, I'm picking between American Hustler. Or, or, you know, my favorite Pulp Fiction. That's my favorite of all time movie. But American Hustler. American Hustle? Is it Hustle? or Because it's been a is long time. Is it the Christian time. Bale movie? Yeah, the Christian Hustle. Bale. Yep. Hustle, yep. That movie, that story was really good. But I have so, it's so many flaws in that movie. Technical wise and just pacing. I think that director alone has, because his, so uh, Amsterdam was his latest one, which mm -hmm. I also enjoy, but is also very flawed. Yeah, yeah. I think, enjoyed American Hustle, but yeah, there's some. I think his movies are entertaining, like, and I, well, okay. I agree. I think American, American Hustle came out right around the same time, similar that Wolf of Wall Street did. Yeah. And I remember in the trailers thinking they were both going to be like hard fought to be one better than the other but wolf of wall street was clearly a better Slow movie days. but american yeah. hustle was still like an enjoyable time was, in the yeah. theater yeah yeah it, it was good it was a good movie i wouldn't rank it with wolf of wall street but no but it, it, was, it was well done towards the second half with a powerhouse cast like oh that. yeah that, that was the thing like uh you know with christian bale and um jennifer I mean, lawrence louis, jennifer Bradley lawrence Cooper. louis ck 
Um, oh yeah, I forgot Louis. Yeah, he was in there briefly. <laughs> he was which the is top. Bradley yeah. Cooper in there was a Jerry Curl too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Renner was in that too, wasn't he? Real was he? I'm gonna look oh, this wow. up. Look, that is a heavy. It was star studded, man. Even the bit rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie. Uh, it was been burned into my brain basically because I love the second half of the story, but I remember a lot of flaws in it. Um, especially with the sound because I, I honestly I, I never really pay attention to sound when I'm watching a movie because I'm just immersed in the story right. as you should like you but, shouldn't be paying attention to anything yeah. if you're paying attention to it yeah then but that ear you've cultivated still it was betrays you yeah so many errors when they do a shit lighting job I'm like why would it was yeah. <laughs> it was so good now I don't even know where we're going anymore. Like I just it, it pulls me out of the story faster than anything. Yeah, I know. I'm like I could have fixed that in five seconds. Why didn't you hire me? And Let's I thought go. I was going crazy, and then they made documentaries about it. How bad the sound was, and I was like, I knew it because <laughs> this is awful booming technique. Uh, like this is basically like straight out of college indie mistakes mm -hmm. that you make, and I'm like, this passed with this cast. Uh, it felt like there was no accountability. It felt like it was shot in a weekend for fun. Like yeah. it, it came across like a 48-hour film project. Yes. Yeah. With, hate on the with cast. Extra, the actors act. With extra yeah. crap. Somebody behind the scenes, above Just the line, didn't know. Uh, Jeremy Renner was in it. Mic. He played the mayor. Because I remember because it was a period, right. wasn't it a period piece? Yeah, he had this. I remember him having like, yeah. Was he? Was he the one? That's who, why I remember Bradley Cooper with the Jerry curl. Yeah, like yeah. Was he the one who gave Christian Bale the microwave that was like the newfangled yeah. machine of the time? You told him not to put metal in it or something. <laughs> I think I'm looking at the trailer playing right now on IMDb, and Amy Adams is the only one who's clean in the yeah. whole movie. Everybody else has this very rugged on a trial. Oh yeah, Rough. so there's Jeremy. Right? He had a co-op, had a whole like thing going. <laughs> in the, yeah. yeah. He called it a co-op. <laughs> yeah. dude. <laughs> I think my favorite scene out of that whole movie was when Bradley Cooper was making fun of Louis C.K. at the end when he finally saw, uh, well, not not Bradley Cooper, but uh, I forgot who was making fun of Louis C.K. when they finally cracked the case. And okay. it, yeah. it, it felt so improv when they was clowning him. Because uh, he... <laughs> That's what I mean, like, about the 48-hour feel. Like, I feel like they were, like, laughing and, yeah. like, that wasn't in the script. Fuck it, I'll go with it. <laughs> but, yeah. Those that... are some of the best parts on set, though. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If it works, it works. laugh. Yep. Yeah. I think so. just, like, in, with the exception of Silver Linings Playbook, because I think that movie played yeah. super serious. Yeah. Everything else I've seen by that guy has this little tongue-in-cheek, like, we were just having fun with oh, the cameras well, rolling. Silver Linings Playbook, it, I mean, it definitely was tongue-in-cheek. It was a little harder to read that, mm -hmm. but yeah. it was there still. I yeah. love that movie because I like the subtle tongue-in-cheek. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the Kevin Spacey slammed in the face with a sledgehammer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, so my, what's, my next movie was... It's funny we're talking about Bradley Cooper, be uh, Limitless. Okay. Which came out in, where's that at? 2011. Uh, director Neil Berger. Hmm. And uh, it's starring Bradley Cooper, Jake McDormand, Robert De Niro, Abby Cornish, Andrew Howard, Anna Frail, Hill Harper. Good movie. 
It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It was so on my list as well. It's uh, Facing Unemployment and His Girlfriend's Rejection. Writer Eddie Mora, played by Bradley Cooper, is sure that he has no future. That all changes when an old friend gives him a drug that produces enhanced mental acuity. Stoked on the untested chemical, Eddie rises to the top of the financial world and attracts the attention of a tycoon, Robert De Niro, who intends to make use of a fo- him use of a fortune. And there's all this, so you're only smart when you're on the drug, and it has this debilitating <laughs> hangover. It's a drug's uh, called MTC or something like that, but it's it's made up. It's not a real drug, mm-hmm. but ultimately it does show you the value of moderation and hard work to achieve mm-hmm. your goals. So it's it's still the same moral that you'd find in any other like drug or alcohol, mm-hmm. you know. You know what I liked like that, about that was that they gave it a positive side effect. Like they were like, "Oh, yes. it's going to make you smart. How can you yeah. argue that this is a bad drug?" Right. But then like if you use it too much and like I mean, obviously addictive, you can't even mm-hmm. think the mm-hmm. same way like if i can imagine like if you had that kind of clarity you just always go back to it yeah right. and it didn't but, yeah. it doesn't stick with you it, when you no. sober up you're fucking and you don't stupid. remember yeah. anything you can't even read your notes because they're too intelligent for you to mm-hmm. comprehend it's that serious so your brain it's like a, a radiation it has a half-life right so yeah. every every time you you use this super brain pill you are knocking years like you're basically assuring dementia mm-hmm. by yeah. the time you're like 40 so if you use this for five years straight so and not only that it hits you with like all of a sudden the the like any other drug the the yearning need to continue with it yep. the how do i buy more of this how do i continue living my normal life with You're this how do i convince how do i convince the people in my normal life because he runs into people from his past who thought nothing of him then and now he's because he's killing it in yep. this in this market game but he without it he can't really do that so now he's making deals with people who believe he's this so it's just it's all the different things that that re, quote unquote real drugs can do to your life mm-hmm. negatively they they throw it in a positive way mm-hmm. so that you know you but can make still, the argument any like kind of control or moderation it spins exactly out of control. it hits you with control and moderation because regardless it the the excessive consumption can still be a problem yeah um, i think it's a brilliant movie and that's the worst kind of drug because those advantageous drugs you know i'm not justifying why he's addicted to it mm-hmm. but it's like they if, do a good job at like yeah. finding no argument against it. right yeah. what i love about that yep. movie is if you walk away from that after the conclusion of the movie still saying Man, I'd love to get my hands on that. <laughs> you missed the fucking point. Right. And I mean, that's I what I think is so brilliant about it. But I'd love to get my hands on it. I mean, I'd still on, like so. to try <laughs> it. Yeah, I'd still like to try yeah. it. I'm smart for one day. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, really, like, the things that unlock, the doors it unlocks for him is crazy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, his, his life, he's an absolute failure. He's turned completely upside down. And now he's successful or, or making successful paths because he was a writer with no ideas. And now all of a sudden he's churning out manuscripts that like yeah. his writers are like, oh, shit. Like, right. he's, take, he's taking in 100 books a day. He's writing things that are so profound. They're like, we're just going to publish it because we don't even know what it means. Like, it's, it's just insane. But to what end? You yeah. know, without the drug, it's like, still not you. Yeah, like after a week or two, he's like, 
why am I even writing anymore? And There's even the scenes where he's got to go and find, <laughs> he's got to find that last hidden stash that he thinks he has. So it's like all of the all of the standard things you see with addiction um, is mm-hmm. encapsulated in the film, and really, it just really does a good job at bringing it to light um, because you're not watching him, you're not watching him uh, throw up in a corner, you're not mm-hmm. watching him, you know. Um, it gives you all the plight without shoving your face in the reality of yes, it. Like, yes. But the reality's still there, thinly veiled, yeah. behind the mm-hmm. fantasy of a fake drug and drugs that only do good until the side effect kind of thing. But it's it's just as poignant and, and forthcoming as like uh, the Basketball Diaries or Requiem for right. a Dream, which are both about heroin. Mm-hmm. But that's really what Limitless is about. Yeah, it's about 100%. being a junkie. Because it's giving those, you yeah. that false confidence, as yes. other drugs do. But yeah. you know, seeing it in, in something that we, as a society, like no one's going to turn to, oh, he's smarter? Tell him to stop taking that. You know, So it puts right. this positive spin on it so that you can still see the negative. And, and see beyond what is positive and still like, no, this is harmful and this is not to be fucked with. Yeah. It was kind really of, well done. I, I highly recommend it. That's a good, that's a very good recommendation. Joe. It actually spun off into a series on Netflix. It did. Have you wow. seen any of the series? I haven't watched the series. I just kind of feel I, I, like... I did watch it just because I enjoyed the story. I just feel like because of the conversation we just had, like I feel that it's it's wrapped up neatly it, in... It was. And, and I, I feel I like a series just, might... The, it was a, it was one of those one seasons done from Netflix. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, it was only a single yeah. season. Now, now the movie itself wasn't a Netflix. No, release. no, no. It, mm-hmm. it came out quite a but, few years ago. Yeah, they did purchase the property and all that. Yeah, the movie feels, one and done feels mm-hmm. very metaphorical to like you know acid. And you know what they or, did to it to the series? They turned it into like uh, the buddy cop detective thing. Right. So, so he, it wasn't even focused on... He got recruited on. by the FBI, and they would give him one NXT a day. See, but this of. is what I'm saying. So now, <laughs> yeah, now, the show sucks. now you're watering down well, what, the, what the the thematic morality you know, of the of the movie was yep. supposed to be. Like, mm-hmm. this was the message. It was You weren't supposed to support okay. this They're sanctioned drug. by the government. Yeah. <laughs> Trust your government, kids. It feels very metaphorical. It also, it also reminds me, like... I know it's very unrelated to a movie, but I, you know, I play video games a lot. Uh, Deus Ex. Okay. Because that that game focuses on uh, how we use augmented limbs and yeah. uh, uh, you know prosthetics to enhance our daily lives. But then, fast forward, those things require drugs to keep those uh, limbs moving. Right. And now people turn into addiction and right. they're out on the street cause they can't afford it. The price is hiked and it creates a whole political, uh, nightmare mm-hmm. of that drug that we need to do our daily lives. What's so, this game called again? Uh, Deus X. Deus X. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a big gamer, but like, I'm not opposed to that being like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know we talk about films, but that's still something that's highly creative. Takes a collaborative team of artists to put together video games. Yeah, arguably, uh, and I'll this, allow it. It's a very. <laughs> this is definitely uh, uh, a whole nother topic, <clears throat> but arguably, I would believe, I would say that, and I stand behind it. 
that video games are probably circumventing both movies and television in their storytelling capacity. Oh, it has already. You know, yeah. like coming from the era of Nintendo, stories a, were yeah, super a bigger slim. market money wise. Yes. Well, there are so, and, and I don't want to tangent too well. much. Yep. I've got I've got one more recommendation before our next break, so I'll keep this short. But um, I mean, games like Metal Gear Solid have two and a half, three hour ending sequences. Yeah. So here you are uh, spending how much time beating the final boss, and now you go into an end cinematic that you can't pause because if you hit start, it skips the whole yep. fucking thing. <laughs> you can't pee, and you, you don't know what's going on, and then two hours and 45 minutes pass, and you're like, am I still watching you this end credit scene? Movie. That's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that is a whole fucking movie they done snuck at the it end your of nose. a video game. <laughs> they just snuck it in there, and they're like, we got you, bitch. So, uh, and, well, but then after an experience like that, if you ever play a video game that just ends, then you're like, well, this was fucking Exactly. Dumb. Yep. There is no. You gotta use your. If you don't have that middle ground, if you don't have at least fifteen minutes of some sort of conclusion, like I've just spent, I've sunk one hundred and fifty hours into this, and you just give me end credits after I kill the final (laughs) boss. Give me some sort of conclusion. Every level of option you could have, and you're still not happy. Yep. Uh, give me something you like something and just don't play the other for. one. Fred knows what I'm talking yep. about. I know what you're talking There's about. There's a sense too. of dissatisfaction when it's just I am ends. here to give you shit. <laughs> play 40 hours for a one minute in. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, go ahead. Because that, that's, that's the payoff. That's, I mean, yes, you want to have fun with it. You know, if the game is not fun, you're not going to keep going. Mm-hmm. But there ultimately needs to be some sort of reward yep. once you've taken the time to get right. through a everything. reward, yep. not a three-hour obligation. No, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not a proponent. <laughs> you can't I'm not a proponent of the three-hour obligation. I have to empty well, my brought your too depends, often. fellas, because you're sitting this one but through, sp- or you're missing it. Specifically with Hideo Kojima, yeah. friends, who made Metal Gear, he does all not. All your friends with bigger bladders are gonna. <laughs> he doesn't know how to end. He doesn't. He no. has a problem with ending shit, and it's just. Did like, I hear a Japanese name? Yeah, yeah that's well, Metal, Metal Gear okay, Solid. Well, yeah. yeah. All right, enough said. Yeah. yeah. He needs he needs an editor by his side because. Great storyteller, but geez. Okay, so what's your right, last so movie before break? Before break, I'm going to leave us with Clockers. Clockers. Clockers is a Spike Lee joint. It was the first Spike Lee joint that I ever had a chance to see. It's got Harvey Keitel, a very young Mackay Pfeiffer. Yeah. Hmm. Very young Mackay Pfeiffer. And what I love about this movie is... Um, similar to Limitless, um, it takes a different approach. So Mackay Pfeiffer is the brother, his older brother, is very deep into the, I don't remember if they spe- specify what drug uh, they're selling in the neighborhood. Um, you can presume it's probably either crack or heroin because it's heavy shit. Like it's yeah, killing no, kids. Yeah, no, they don't really specify. The plot revolves around um, one of the, the street, somebody... Mackay Pfeiffer is supposed to kill somebody. He doesn't do it because he's not in the life, so he gets his brother to do it. And then there is the the mystery behind finding out who, of who did consequences, it. Yeah. But the way that Spike approaches the whole thing is very, like there's no glorification of violence, no glorification of drugs. And the Mackay uh, Pfeiffer character suffers from, like, they don't really clue in on it. You can assume he probably has some sort of... Um, a digestive issue. He's always hitting what looks like Pepto Bismol, but the the Is overall that towards inner turmoil. Like he's yes, guilty over because the fact that he has a choice in the way that he is raised to where like this is this is the life he can succeed at. Yeah, but he's not comfortable mm-hmm. with this, and so there's this 
wrestling he has with you know because of the the peer pressure the you know when you grow up in a neighborhood like that in order to be a part of things that's what everyone's doing around you so mm -hmm. to do something different to have a different opinion to have a different view on life can put you into a position where it could be detrimental to your own safety detrimental yeah. to your own survival and also how if, if this is all you know what else is there for you to know to grow right mm -hmm. so this this plot it, it it approaches it from a detective standpoint michael imperioli and harvey Keitel are your detectives who right. are phenomenal fucking actors and, and always been favorites of mine i love michael Imperioli. Mm -hmm. yeah um they um I was reading something the theme song that that he uses it to open the movie is the same exact song he uses to end his last film which i want to say was either crooklyn or i'm gonna, I'm gonna misquote so instead of guessing i'm just gonna say he used reuses his theme song but it's remixed mm -hmm. so while it was a happier version in the last movie it is a somber version in oh, this nice. one yeah and the opening sequence uses actual um murder photos because right off the bat, it wants to be unsettling. Spike wants to go in saying well, he's, that he's a brilliant filmmaker. This yeah. is not like I, I am not making something to glorify this. You right. should spend the next ninety minutes with me, figuring out whether or not this shit is worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. And that's what I think is so poignant and brilliant about that movie because of the impact that he has in the community. And yes. when that came out, you were talking about um, growing up having to watch a lot of the Hood movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. There was an era in the 90s where that was just what was popping out yep. there. Literally. And the way that it was presented a lot of times was like, this is the fun shit. You know, you know, you, yeah, okay, That's ha ha, wink, wink, it's did. bad. <laughs> but there's, there's a risk here. There's, yeah. there's actual cost to this and they they touch upon his their, their parents the loss of uh of family like that you feel the loss of family you feel the loss of uh brethrenship um so it's just overall it puts it puts out there what is at stake mm -hmm. what right. is the risk and the mm -hmm. loss um for being involved in in this sort of life and i and i i commend him for taking that sort of approach Ooh, during an era where um you know Hollywood was exploiting uh, drugs and 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 you know gang behavior uh, for their own benefit, and I think he took that. He was like, mm, let's do something a little bit different with it, and ultimately made a beautiful film. He did, uh, yeah. while unsettling and definitely one. I, I saw this in school. This this song oh, I wow. saw in high school. <laughs> um, you know, signed the parent forms. It was a humanities yeah. class, but humanities, right? I had a teacher who was a student teacher, and he was like, yeah, this is what we're going to watch, and this is what we're going to talk about. And I am forever grateful because I think that was one of the, the movies that took me in a turn of seeing movies in a less than entertainment way and more of a, what what can we learn from life about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Spike Lee's Clockers. Um, Clockers. Have you yeah. seen it? No. I recommend it. I You've have, seen it. But it's been a while. It was more. It has been a while for me, too. So, out. yeah. Um, but, it would yeah, be something I'd love to revisit. Yeah. Me but, too, yeah. Um, it immediately came to mind when this topic came up, and I've never had really a chance to talk Come about on, it. Lucky Seven. I yeah. don't even know if that movie's going to be number seven. <laughs> so, so. Um, that brings us to two apiece, and we've got each two left. So, we're going to take a quick break, empty our bladders, get ourselves something to drink, get our giggles out, and yeah, we will be right back. Give her a crack, Joe.
Welcome back Love to the sound. Unorthodox Film Podcast. Nice. All right, so when we left, I put the recommendation out there for Spike Jones Clockers, and that brings us to Fred. So, yeah, uh, like I mentioned before, my next one was uh, Pulp Fiction, hands down one of my favorite Tarantino movies. And, uh, I mean... I'm pretty sure everybody's probably seen Pulp Fiction. Great. You hope so. Yeah. You hope so. <laughs> Quinn, have you seen you've seen Pulp Fiction, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. absolutely. Strong, absolutely. Yeah. Fix maybe, that wrong in your life right times. now. Maybe, maybe over five times. Maybe seven Same times. Here. Honestly, yeah. Same That's here. a pretty specific number. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen it over a dozen, several dozen, probably. I love Pulp I, Fiction. I reference from that movie from time to time because. We all know Tarantino is big on bantering and yeah, one of my favorite things it, about him. Yeah, he so has the best dialogue. His dialogue is great, and yes. and that's that's important to me as a writer because you know I only see writing in two ways. You either going to write, you either going to write the characters based on story or development. Mm -hmm, right. Everything else is just unnecessary, and um, their banter's told a story whenever they would talk about massaging Marcellus Wallace's wife's feet or something like that yeah, or yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of led up you, you would think that it's just useless talk like the whole time is that he's like he did that to him over a foot massage <laughs> and then he Travolta spins it on him and goes well have you ever given one? Oh, I got my technique down and everything. <laughs> like, so you admit that something went on there. Exactly. That was right. unspoken between exactly. <laughs> the man's employee and his wife. So that's, you can't stand for that. What I think is so brilliant about that is the fact that, like, that's the start of the film outside of the diner, right? Right. Like, that's the, 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 the pre. But, like, when we get into the flow of things, it's the two of them in the car, and they're talking about the Royale with cheese and this and that. Yep. But these are two hitmen just having standard conversation. Yeah, yeah. it's just the carpool just, on the way to the office. Yes. Yeah, humanized. Yes, just it's brilliant. Because the other option, as you said, could have been development. So the whole thing could have just been discussion about the plot, about what they were going to do, about all this other shit. But that's not how life is. Yeah, that would have been boring if it was in this kind of a film. Right. It was still used it. to build up the infamy of Marcellus Wallace. Yep. So it was a plot device, but it was used in a way that made these characters seem more naturalistic and relatable yep and it continued throughout the film yeah exactly you know, he was able that set a precedent for him to be able to do that all the way throughout you know even up to uh um his name's john like john travolta, john travolta talking yeah. to himself in the mirror you're gonna go home you're gonna rub one out and you're gonna go to sleep yeah and that's <laughs> all you're gonna that's do all you're gonna oh, do and, and same with the interaction with him and eric stoltz's heroin dude he's like i'll take the pepsi challenge with that amsterdam <laughs> shit any day it's just so everyday in pop culture you know like yes. these are jokes that people make yeah you're right about like marcellus wallace everybody's they're talking about this villain through this banter or through these plots and you never really see Marcel as well. No, and in until fact, the, the first time you do see him is the back of his head with a bandage. That was a long ass it. scene. And <laughs> like a little bit of his cheek, and that's it until the reveal of him chasing Butch down the street. Yeah. He, you see, he turns, motherfucker, gets yeah. hit by a car, <laughs> shoot out. Like, it's an infamous character introduction. So, what I think is so great about Pulp Fiction yeah. is how he uses his action sequences because they are just in the middle of a standard road. Like, they're not these huge set pieces, they're yeah. just your everyday street setting yeah. and that poor these lady crazy who gets fucking shot things. In the hip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, because there wasn't a lot of action in that movie, but when it happens, it's just, you know, it's Tarantino style, mm-hmm. just gore, horrific, or very vulgar. Phil Lamar getting yeah. his brain splattered all over the back of the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that threw me for a loop, because... Because it and, came out of nowhere. Yeah. He just turns around like... Hey, yeah. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. But I'm lo- <laughs> it's so nonchalant. I'm looking at him like he's waving his gun around. I'm like, yo, yeah, he got his finger on the trigger. And then yeah, that is not gonna go- just- good gun practice, as as we later learn. Yeah. <laughs> but and, now and- I'm scraping up pieces of this motherfucker's skull. That's it. We switching. You on brain duty. <laughs> and in terms of, like, the drugs, like, it was interesting because I watched this when I was young, so I didn't know what was going on when the whole heroin thing when she yeah. uh, like sniffed it, and I was like, "What? What is going on?" But when I like, she at knew it what now, she was doing. How'd she fuck it up? Yeah, yeah. And uh, looking at it now, I'm just like, "Wow, that just sent you on a wild roller coaster of." Okay, that's not how heroin is supposed to be used. She right. thought it was cocaine. She'd yeah, been exactly. Co- yeah, but that's why when you were younger, you didn't think, because you see her doing lines all night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't put the connection that that white powder is not, not the, the same. white yeah. powder right. she's using. <laughs> right. But most heroin is more like yellow or brownish tint to it, Like, but that was that China well, but white. But they made right. a very, yeah, very made clear a, point they made to that say that. was clean as shit. Yeah. yeah. What is a clean drug? Like, that's always an ironic statement to me, you know? Less chemicals. (laughs) It's the most poisonous. It costs more because This is the least watered down shit you can have. (laughs) Ain't no baby laxative in this. No Tylenol, nothing. I was really creeped out. Uh, The whole whole movie, I was really creeped out when they had to give her the... um, the injection oh, on yeah. her heart, straight yeah. stabbed. What, what kind of shot was that? Adrenaline uh, shot. Adrenaline, straight adrenaline to the yeah. Heart. Yeah. 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 Which they was... just happened to have on hand because they're fucking druggies. <laughs> the drug deals. Yeah, like so... it was nothing. Where's my little black fucking medical book? <laughs> and they were freaking out. Yeah. Eric Stoltz is probably completely underrated in that film. He. And who played his wife? Uh, Jennifer Arquette. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, Patricia. Was that Patricia Arquette? No, that was not uh, Patricia Arquette. It, it was the other one that. One of the other Arquettes. It's the other. It's the other sister who was born a woman. Because now there's another sister Alexis. who was born a man. Yeah, Alexis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from was, Wedding Singer. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. the trans one. Yep. Right. But so the other one. Yep. There's so many. I'm not. I'll I'll look it up here in a second. Jennifer but Arquette, yes, it's right? one of the Arquettes. Okay then. But it's not Patricia. It's not Patricia. I'm looking right now. Or the trans one. Um. Well, but overall, like with with Pulp Fiction, like my favorite thing about the entire movie is the story is fragmented it's not in serial order mm-hmm. it's just backwards forwards on some yeah chapter one just, chapter yeah yeah and it and it works like it almost feels star wars like it's star so wars good. four yeah. five it's, six it's Roseanne Arquette. <laughs> yeah, Roseanne Arquette, previously it. Yep. it was really only done in books right you know in a book you can do that you can you know fragment and go here or there but mm-hmm. in a movie it's really hard and i I can't say for certain that it was done before Tarantino, but he's definitely brought it into the normalcy. Like yeah. I think without Pulp Fiction, there wouldn't have been like Memento or yeah, right, exactly. That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, like it was. It's very accepted for us to be able to to really Watch consume that, or even linear, mm-hmm. even yeah. video games. I think uh, Pulp Fiction. I mean, video games are probably one of the more linear things slash non-linear. Something like 
like uh, your open world cyberpunk or Grand Theft Auto where you can play the game in any specific order because the life happens and for him to be able to do that in a movie where normally we're locked into 90 minutes to two hours and things are supposed to take place in a certain way he found a way to present it to us that we can walk away still understanding what happened yeah and following he, his rules of time cr- chronology the finger yeah exactly you know and and i, I I'll, I'll genuinely say that the first time i watched it i don't think i captured all of that going back and re-watching watching sam jackson and um Jackie john brown john travolta's fucking um Costumes is the only way to know where you are in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. yeah. Because you yep. barely see yep. them in the opening sequence. You barely see them walk by in their uh, wolf white, you know, um, yeah, um, their cleaning attire exactly. after after the Harvey Cattell Basketball scene. shorts. Yep. Yes. The and then you come back you know, to them and you're like, white boy outfit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was literally one of my favorite uh, drug-based movies, even though it didn't really... F- it had drugs in it, but it wasn't the. It, it wasn't the core, like but I'll tell main. you what: without drugs, it wouldn't have been that same movie. Yeah. That, drugs was, definitely moves that movie it was yes. in all aspects. Yeah. Yep. All aspects of that you movie. You know that he's high on heroin, he's driving to this day. You know that she's high on cocaine when. Yeah, all that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain the first time I watched it, I didn't realize how much of an addict John Travolta's character really was. Oh, yeah. And in later viewings, the, the guy's hooked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, just too young to see all the signs that like, he was. Like, the like, let me pregame before we go out yeah like it's why he died it's exactly. why he died he wouldn't have got shot in the shitter if he wasn't strung out yeah he, he made the mistakes he made because he was high yep yep All, left, left his, his gun, gun in the kitchen it's always a the gun the fuck is the matter with you it's yeah. always the gun it's automatic machine gun with a hundred i'll just leave it right here <laughs> next while i go to the shoot what could go wrong <laughs> yeah yeah, next to the Pop-Tarts. Yeah. <laughs> if he had just had his breakfast before his morning dump. Yes, like, exactly. How long do Pop-Tarts take? Two minutes? I you, mean, how long is a standard toaster? That's a minute and a half. Loaf. He couldn't pinch that loaf no. for two minutes. He couldn't have cleaned his ass. He was in there for over two that. minutes. Who, put, no. who, pu- who pushed the plunger on that toaster? Right. Had to have been him. So right. He's just gotten started. I mean, had some terrible Yeah, time but when he was coming out... Did he come out because he heard the pop tarts? Like, did you even shit? Is my point? Like, he was right. reading a book on the right. toilet. Yeah, dude, yep. he, he was chapters in, wasn't he? Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was not the job. I think for we him, found but... the flaw. That that's that and the, uh, the that one door that opens behind Uma Thurman. In the one cut. Nobody's ever seen that. Right before she overdoses, like she's dancing, she goes to sit down. There's a door open in the back. And then cuts to her sitting down, taking off the jacket. The door's closed. It was probably some grip. Hmm. Fucking G and E. G and E. It's always G. <laughs> well, you know what? If you'd have called wa- rolling over the goddamn the walkie, walkies, bro. if you'd have called rolling over the walkies, they wouldn't have come walking. Maybe in. it was a runner getting coffee. Or something. It, was, it was just a first day PA. <laughs> and they saw it. Was, it was probably a producer who thought they were better than. The production. Oh, yeah. I don't care if we want to go into that. We want to go I leave my ringer on. I answer All my right. phone. Joe, that takes us to you. I was already talking. Anyway, no. Um, okay. Yeah, so... I mean, I have a lot here, but... Mm, let me think. Yeah, okay. So I had two in mind, but I'm Do you gonna, have any variety? Move some variety onto the list? I do, yeah. So I was gonna... And this is a great movie. Spun. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to do spuns about methamphetamines and how addiction affects. But that's really where I we've been we going hit that down mood. that yeah. road. Yeah. So across the universe. What an interesting spin. I'm going to take it. Because it's all about LSD and mushrooms and mescaline mm-hmm. and... Music I'm not gonna lie. So I've seen this movie once, and it was while I was getting a tattoo, and it was to my, uh, I, like, to chagrin, like I didn't want to be watching it. So I only half paid attention. So sell me on across the universe. I'm, not I'm also not a, you on it. I'm not a Beatles fan. You're you're a hard sell, and I'm not a salesman. Okay? Well, when I say that, I mean like our viewers. It's, yeah. Well, across the I'm, universe, it's uh, it's it's basically the whole soundtrack is like Beatles songs. It's Beatles. So if you're mm-hmm. not into the Beatles, steer clear. But. Uh, you know, I I don't hold the Beatles up on any pedestal. Mm-hmm. I think they were but great it's a different approach to their music, right? It is a totally different approach to their music. It's all performed by the ensemble cast, and uh, if you've ever like read up on the drug movement and the music movements of the late '60s and mm-hmm. early '70s, that whole hippie kind of thing, like the Merry Pranksters and um, the Kool Aid Acid, the Kool Aid yeah. Acid electric kool-aid acid test and all yep. that stuff this is heavily like uh, like influenced on that but it's an outside kind of perspective it's basically it kind of starts and it's not fully following this one british guy's life but mm-hmm. it kind of is like he moves over here and then you follow he meets friends and you all this grows and it's it's a really it's a heartwarming story but it's also like kind of a glimpse inside what the world was like for an artist or somebody who was pushing that envelope that the hippies mm. were pushing back then. If you were really going for that anti-establishment, anarchy, you know, the government is propaganda, not yeah. not to be trusted. If you, Like, there was a huge movement back then, and this really taps into that. And it, it really kind of showcases, like, in drug use, like how... Obviously, how moderation is key, but mm-hmm. also how hallucinogenics, when done in moderation, can actually be like mind expanding. Mm-hmm. And like, and if you read like current studies r- that they're doing right now, like it battles Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff I've like that. that yeah. They don't really tap on that in the in the movie, not that that recent research, but it does showcase that like. It's not your typical kind of drug or addiction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen Across the Universe? Nope. No. Me neither. It was a no. phenomenon. And, I mean, I, I, I'll i admit it was my own, like, I just, I'm not a Beatles fan. And while that's neither here nor there, all of a sudden, because that, that came out during the era of, like, uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Yeah. And, 2007. Um, they had a, an exclusive Beatles thing. So all of a sudden, and this is, for me, good and bad. Like, I always love when younger generations are exposed to um, older things, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I think we should continue, you know, uh, continue. That's why we do this, right? If you haven't heard of it, if it's outside of your reach, go back yeah. and, and watch it. And, and, and I highly recommend it. It has actors like uh, Jim Sturgis, Joe Anderson, Evan Rachel Wood, TV mm. Caparo, Bono's in it, uh, Martin mm. Luther McCoy, Selma Hayek, uh, Eddie Izzard. Mm-hmm. There's just so many powerhouses, wow. and like, there's there 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 are characters in the movie that are like representations of people from the era. Like one of the singers is supposed to be like the Janis Joplin type character, but she's not Janis Joplin. Right. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, 
the Mar- Martin Luther McCoy plays Jojo. He's supposed to be like the Jimi Hendrix type character. He's this. He has got an afro, dresses in funky overalls, and can wail on the guitar. Yeah. You know, like it's not Jimi Hendrix, but it's fucking Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like it really. It's like an homage to that era, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, hey, if you didn't know about this, you should read up on this shit, like yeah. kind of thing. And that's so. Mm-hmm. It, I was I was working in a in an electronic store at the time, and right around the release of that movie, they Beatles had a new re-release of their complete box sets with stereo remasters. Right, it had mono like, remasters. It was a movie that was trying to be made. All yeah. of a sudden, soon the soon Beatles their catalog was, was open. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles was so shoved down, and, and and all of a sudden, people, you know, fifteen. 20 years younger than me were like, oh my God, Beatles are the greatest. Yeah. And it's like, but it just, it, it hit my nerve wrong because it, it, it was just, it, it was a, it was a fad, right? Like I, I didn't feel that they were I could see how you could see it as exploitive. Yeah. And that turned me off. But the movie is amazing. Like it stands the test of time. I still love it to this day. I will rewatch that for the rest of my life. Well, there's a chance hmm. we might. Yeah. There's now a okay, chance we might. My list. Yeah, it's a good All one. All right. Um, I don't want to but cut you off. Is there anything no, very psychedelic, very good watch. Interesting take on the drug movie. It's it's nice and it's historical. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. I mean, just from what you've said alone, was more than I knew about the movie because really all I knew about it was a musical based on Beatles music. You know, and that's would, all that anyone no, would say. I wouldn't about even it, so. say it's based on their songs. I'd say they use their songs as part of the narrative mm-hmm. but so it's, very it's loosely weaved, it's mm-hmm. weaved in it's weaved into a story that was already written okay it's not like the beatles are just there inconsequential yeah kind so of. is there is there literally no thematic connection to the beatles other than the none, music none interesting the one character from britain born in liverpool there's your connection that's not enough yeah no, I, I can't yeah, even nothing interesting well that's my own that's my own uh, bias. Yeah, my way. own bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's just <laughs> the way just it kidding. is. Oh, um, so Joe gives us uh, gave us across the universe. So then, I, yeah, I had spun on here too, um, and I just think like the, the overall mood. And there's a couple others here. It's so a great movie. It's to lighten to lighten it up. Uh, I think spun was good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm torn between two, and and I'm gonna go Super Troopers. Okay. Mm. All right. Good. I'm gonna go Super Troopers. I was thinking that, but wasn't gonna go there. So I'm glad you did, cause I love that fucking movie. You boys like Mexico. You boys like Mexico. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with Super Troopers, Super Troopers is about um, highway uh, state patrol officers who are not doing very well. The county is about to. Um, basically de-escalate them and cut them out of funding because they're just a waste and yeah, we already got they already got local the local police. pd Why they're just going to merge patrol they're going to merge their cases in their the locale is real close to canada and the canadian border so it's, it's vermont, just it's a right? lot it's vermont so yeah. there's just a lot of highway and the mayor who is the original wonder woman uh she's like it's not happening we're just but they come across this she was um, the governor the governor thank you yeah uh, but they come across this um, dead body, and they fight with local PD on whose case it would be, and it turns out that it's a possible huge marijuana ring, and uh, it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's an ensemble comedy with 
um, the the Broken Lizard troupe who have done like uh, Club Dread. This was their big one, but they've done Club Dread, Slam and Salmon, uh, Beer, Beer Fest. Fest is probably their next notable yeah. one. This um, is their biggest noteworthy. It's thing. very cheeky. It's very funny. Um, it's quotable. It is something that you can watch with a group of people. It's something you can watch by yourself. And and honestly, like the repeat rewatchable uh, rewatchability of this movie is you know endless. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Have you have you seen Super Troopers? You can tell my movie. I, buff. I, I'm leaning, like leaning into your hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend this. The opening I, scene I'm, in itself is just it just jumps right into the circle of relating to like high like high school to college life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's three friends in a car that's probably dude's dad's right. or like he inherited from his grandpa because it's his old sixties classic. And they're just what going to Canada to get? They're just they're they're heading out. I don't even they, know they if we know where they're they at. They mentioned going to get fries and gravy. They want yeah, some poutine. Yeah, but uh, they just have all these like weed and mushrooms on them, and they wind up getting pulled over. Woo woo! You know, so they're like passing the drugs to the guy in the back so he can eat them all. This and guy, his, this guy eats a whole bag of oh, mushrooms no. and right? like just two ounces of weed. It. And oh yeah. no. But this is where this is where the movie introduces itself. So similar to what we were saying about Pulp Fiction, so these cops didn't ultimately didn't pull them over for anything specific. Mm-hmm. They just pulled them over to fuck with them. So the kids, unknowing to that, ingest all this drugs, yeah. all these mm-hmm. drugs, right? So they they pull them over and they start fucking with them. And he comes up to the window. He goes, "Do you know how fast you were going?" And then the guy on the other side goes, "How fast you were going." He's just like, they're, <laughs> so they're doing what they call the echo. Yeah. Right? They play these games. And yeah, as the movie goes on, you find out there's more games and there's all this shit. They and play like, a, a they ton really of different do games. do not deserve to have the jobs they're fighting for, honestly. Right. So with the plot being that they need their jobs <laughs> saved and they need to fight for it, what you've seen really dictates that they don't deserve it. But mm-hmm. you're on their side anyways because it's that kind it's of type so of comedy. Fun. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. like, these guys are great. So it's, it's a gas. It's uh, um the the games that they play, as Joe mentioned, they're they're a lot of fun. The meow, the um, uh, what's the one they? I'm gonna fuck them. How up many with. times can you say meow to an officer? What, what's the one? What's the what's the one where they when they pull over uh, Galifianakis in the truck and he's like, no, I'm not playing that one right now. And that's what ends up getting them locked in the fucking truck because they were like, I'm not playing the this repeater. Game. The repeater. Yeah. It's where the, the echo. I I misspoke when I called it the echo. They call it the repeater, and it's supposed to throw off the person but mm-hmm. in this instance it throws off the other cop and they wind up getting locked in the back of a semi because they pulled the semi over trying to full of weed full of it wow. everything that they were oh, looking no. for this is the guy they were looking for and you know it's not one of those movies Gal- that you can Canucus. essentially spoil yeah. you know like the the plot of this movie isn't necessarily unless important. we acted it out line for line you could not spoil this movie because everything it's a it's a full Too of one-liners twists. it's yes. just oh, okay. the, yes. the comedy gold just so endlessly funny. quotable endlessly <laughs> quotable so i i definitely recommend super troopers that was uh yeah don't call me unit 91 radio don't call me radio unit 91 <laughs> car ramrod it's car ramrod car ramrod who wants a mustache ride? I was just going to say the mustache <laughs> ride. I want one. I do. I do. I do. All right. Time to take us back to the gym before we turn into so my favorite line. Huh? My favorite line in the whole thing is when they, they it's, it's probably uh, 
top of the second act, beginning of the, of the third act, and they're looking through all their clues, and they come across this Johnny Chimpo, this, this monkey that looks like he's peeling a banana, and it's spitting up bananas as if it's, like, ejaculating, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the guys says, oh, that's Johnny Chimpo. And they're like, well, what's Johnny Chimpo? He's from these, you know, these uh, foreign cartoons or whatever. So they get a hold of him, and they're sitting there. They're stoned off of the evidence, right? It's the animation. The chief, Brian Cock, comes in, and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? He goes... It's Afghanistan animation, <laughs> and just the the delivery of that line, it's Afghanistan so animation, is it's one <laughs> of my favorite so lines. Yeah, Whoop, shenanigans. We going to shenanigans. Oh, I gotta check this out. I'm gonna pistol, Highly recommend like it. Swear to God, I'm gonna pistol. pistol Anyone who's seen the movie is like, you guys are butchering the shit out of these jokes, <laughs> but we're just randomly pulling all the things that will make you laugh when they come across, and you will then. It, it's 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 one of those movies that if you run into people who have seen it, you can just throw the lines out and like immediately you're bonded. That inside joke. You're, you're bonded right yeah. away just from <laughs> connecting with super troopers. I love acid. <laughs> Cops. Somebody across the street. The snozberries like, taste like snozberries. All right, Fred, what is your last recommendation today? I'm going to go with Training Day. Training Day. Yeah. Solid Training fucking Day. movie. Being just... It, it, Damn, boy, I didn't know you'd like to get wet. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes you wonder, like, all of that shit really happened in the day, which is just so... Yeah. So yeah, confusing they to me sometimes. so much. Beauty of editing. It, yeah. It seems so unrealistic and, and at the... Uh, you know surface value but it does add up as like yeah that was yeah the whole day yeah because they, they started to one street and they end up back at the street y- yeah and, yeah i mean it, it's a lot of activity but they're in the car the whole movie it, so it, they're constantly moving around the city can you imagine how many car rigs that probably took to do in that movie. <laughs> now, see now if we watch it I'm gonna have to count I, yeah, yeah last time I watched it I wouldn't have been considering that no, so now I would no, yeah it's been I'm remembering it's a great movie I've seen it I'm remembering the times, locations that because didn't Ethan Hawke's character live in a, like a really sweet ass like house that like was one of those on the hillside type dope pool open yeah he, yeah. he was he was yep. a cop by choice ritzy like so, yeah, yeah so Denzel's character was trying to take him down a peg or two right off rip yeah yeah yeah, I that's one of my favorite Denzel Washington uh, roles. Performance, yep. That's really good. One of my favorite of his is Man on Fire. I Where, don't recall seeing that one. It's um, so him and Dakota Fanning, and he plays like a, you know, he's an alcoholic. It actually could be on this list because mm-hmm. he was an alcoholic, and he's washed up, right? And he's doing personal bodyguards and stuff and like you're talking about a guy who was like secret service and you know what i mean the top of the top and he gets down on his luck and now he's guarding this low-grade family's daughter mm-hmm. in mexico city weird, right? but it's so always that. he always so seems well to done. get Christopher into safe space in roles and this one was one that Mark i anthony i yeah. felt like he was able to like really dive into the evil of the character that an american gangster i like he yeah he yeah. dove he dove into that one. Okay, so yeah, I didn't think about that for the, the darkness of the character. Yeah, you don't see him be able to do that. No, because you've yeah, seen him play not. bad guys before, but like the in depth that which the depth at which he, the he the took the character in, in Training yep. Day was was so dark, so deep. Yeah. That was his main <laughs> thing was just being manipulative because he wanted Ethan to feel like if you're not gonna take this job you're failing yourself he made it real clear he made it real clear like listen you can survive this if you just listen to what i say yeah you know i've got a i've got a thing going yeah don't fuck with it 
and it just makes it just paints that picture of narc being working in narcotics yeah. Yeah. like do do you really have to be that Denzel <laughs> to yeah, be in narcotics? Be yeah, yeah. Um, it it makes you believe you do. Yeah, yeah. There's a you do. There's a God. There's got to be a line to walk though. You know, what it, I mean? it has to. Yeah, because it's like, at what point do you just like doing that? that right. That wrong ethics. Right. Right. Is, like it's okay. I I and the, the exposure to the life is going to change you. Yeah. Right. But. His character definitely got something oh, he, out of it. He, he went home it. and had no problem doing what he did. He loved every moment of it. It got him up in the morning to be a part of everything that he's a part of. And I can't remember if I can't remember it like with his character development. Was was he already corrupt going in? Hundred percent. Day one. Okay, because it's been a while since I watched the movie. The, yeah, the Denzel yeah, he was already correct. Yeah, okay, he, okay. he lets you know right from the beginning. He didn't let Ethan Hawke know right from the beginning, but you could tell uh, as a viewer, you knew like right when you're getting in, like, oh, this guy's no good. Yeah. Well, I um, mean, and to me, like him trying to immediately sway Ethan Hawke's character in his dirt, like you yeah. have to be on my he, side or no, that's he tested his limits. He put him through different little things to, to see what can I get away with this because yep. you always got to worry about you know, uh, is this guy gonna squeal? Yeah, is this gotta fuck up my life right you know because i don't mess been so long since i've seen but didn't he put him by the end of the movie he put him in a, a precarious situation that challenged his life didn't yeah. he oh for yeah, sure yeah he put him in a game member's house yeah. like, and it was but like he kept he he kept upping the game yeah yeah because ethan Hall kept coming out he kept beating it so he was like okay well let's see how we kill this white yeah. boy yep. you know and Ultimately, it was training him to trust only him. It was like so watching. That you don't trust the badge. You trust me and my squad. Yep. Right. Which I do believe is important. I'm sure living that life, you have to have that that yeah, trust for your but partner. But it was. It was. But it abrupt. puts the question in. It puts the question in. Who's supposed to trust who? Ethan yeah. Hawke was the good guy. He shouldn't have trusted. No, never. Denzel, but he never put him in that have. position where it's like. Mm. Which is so do for, or die for yeah. somebody right. to be as smart as him. He should already knew what the end game was when he got corrupted because he knew that nobody liked him. Everybody was waiting to find a reason to kill this yeah. guy. Yeah. And it's just Either like you play the game or we kill you. Yeah. And if you play the game, we don't have to like you. Now we love you. Yeah. So don't slip up or you're dead. Like there's no real brotherly connection there other than we've done it's shit forced. Yeah. To, we're the it's criminals against the criminals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Um, and it's could, not going to make could, this list, but, but you could sense that tension between all of them. A oh, movie, yeah. a movie that Absolutely. I would really recommend that that hits that years before Training Day, and I, I uh, would argue that without the, even the real life situation, um, we wouldn't have Training Day. And that is, um, oh, no, I forgot that it's Al Pacino, uh, not Sicario. God damn it! I shouldn't open my mouth. Give me a second here. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Joe, it's Donnie on Brasco. You. Nope, way okay, further back. Back in the seventies. <laughs> back in the seventies. Uh, I'll give it Serpico. to you. Serpico. Serpico, thank you. Serpico, where it's uh, uh, the introduction of the Faster Internal Affairs. I am <laughs> introduction of the Internal Affairs. But if you've not seen that movie, that Serpico's you, really you good, really yeah. want to talk about like what's at risk Phobic. being in mm-hmm. a fraternal type of organization like the police officers and being the only one wanting to make a statement and everyone else against you, but you know you're right. Mm-hmm. It, it's you wake up with okay do i do i just make the steps necessary to allow me to continue breathing or do i make the steps necessary to correct the wrongs 
Yep. And it's it's this serious choice that Serpico yep. has to make, and that's that's based on a true story and the creation of internal affairs and and the investigation, the cops yeah. for the cops. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's just it's Be- yeah, beautiful. it's a wild story, and I highly I highly way ahead Serpico. of its time too. Like, um, it's an intense movie. Yeah. It really is an intense movie. Yeah, I, I love those kind of movies that where you're in too deep because. It almost makes it feel like, how in the heck is this going to end? Yeah. And so we each have one more, correct? Yep. Oh, that oh, was my, Oh, no, that, that was, was his. One. That was that his. Was it's his? on you. Yep. Oh, that was yours. Yep. Yeah. Training okay. day. Yep. Training day. Okay, that's my bad. No, I'm ready, though. Believe me. So I was, I was, to- I was tossed up on this one because I still got an extensive list here. So many good movies. But I got to go with one of my all-time favorite authors, book turned into a movie i'm gonna start typing it here mr hunter s thompson fear and loathing in las vegas haven't seen that one either. you have not seen if you terrible. have not seen fear and loathing in las vegas so i recommend you my, read the book my terrible but the movie is amazing habits. it came out in 1998 it stars johnny depp benicia del toro it's about Raul Duke, that's Johnny Depp, and his attorney, Dr. Gonzo, Benicio Del Toro, drive a red convertible across the Mojave Desert to Las Vegas with a suitcase full of drugs to cover a motorcycle race. As their consumption of drugs increases at an alarming rate, the stone duo trash the hotel room and fear legal repercussions. And it just keeps going. It's a two-hour drug trip. Oh and wow! Like it's a two-hour drug trip, hundred percent. They visualize like he's he's like on ether and acid and cocaine, and he's checking into a hotel <laughs> casino thing, and then they like go wait at the bar, and we'll call your name. And as he walks into the bar, like everybody turns into like giant lizard people, and like <laughs> mm-hmm. the floor turns to water, and like it's just hysterical yeah it's terry gilliam directed and it's uh it's a phenomenal romp because so the the claim is that this is based on an actual weekend that dr thompson had with his lawyer but if that's true and he consumed as much as he consumed what is true Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, exactly like it's yeah Yeah. But, but like he's like even in the movies, he's, he's like always got this tape recorder like strapped to him or carrying with. Him. So like, is what he wrote based on the tapes that he's, he's listening and reinterpreting with a sober mind? His drug-addled rambunctiousness, and so it was all he he got a job to write an article for a sports magazine to cover this like motocross sensation in the desert. Right, but. It's the desert and it's motorcycles and there's just a huge sand screen like mm-hmm. you can't see anything. They're driving around following the racers in the doom buggy, and he's just. It's probably can't one of see the, anything. the most invested roles that Johnny Depp has ever, ever had. So he spent quite a bit of time with the author um, Hunter S. Thompson to learn his mannerisms, to learn his R-I-P. street patterns, his, um, uh, speaking patterns to learn um, just all the different nuances of, of what that person was. And he became very close with them. And he spent six months living in Hunter's basement. Yes. Wow. Was the basement specifically for a character development reason? Or that was just... 
like we, that's yeah, that's see. where Hunter had a had, bed for him to sleep. Yeah, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, he he initiated it, but it, it was for, for character. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not he enjoyed the shit out, of I was going to say yeah, <laughs> he had a good time. They became lifelong friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Yeah, he um, since portrayed him in another movie called The Rum Diaries, where. Uh, Hunter had passed, and they still had a director's chair with his photo on it. And Johnny would walk and a bottle of his favorite whiskey. And Johnny would walk by, open the whiskey, take a swig, pour some out, dab it. Uh, okay, now I'm Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> it was all part of his transformation. Um, I agree with Joe. It's a it's a phenomenal movie. That um, it's an it's an experience. I don't know how to describe the movie other than an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really telling a story. No, it, it's so. First uh, off, it, it begs the question: what? How does anyone survive consuming that amount of copious drugs? Yeah. In a weekend, and and so make a lot it of the alive. movies we've talked about have pointed out how self control and moderation can help curb drug addiction or the the serious life repercussions that mm-hmm. are onslaughted by no self control mm-hmm. or extreme. This movie questions what happens when you just do all the drugs. Yeah. yeah. Like, and how do you affect people's lives? Like, there's uh, right. Christina Ricci plays a, a part where, like, uh, Dr. Gonzo picks up this girl on the street and she's trying to become an artist and she's struggling and he feeds her acid and she goes crazy. <laughs> and, like, it's, it's nuts. And that, yeah. I, I I love stories where the actors really get close to like, you know, the true story, um, uh, people or like the authors to get their mannerisms because it it feels like Shine Depp tr- really went over the, yeah the hurdle on that one. It feels like a treasure trove of like information of character development for the actor. Yeah, and they get especially when you say that they live with them and stuff like that. It's almost like you're just gonna become that person at some point and. I, I love just hearing stories about that because oftentimes it's like writers, you know, we're creating the character development mm-hmm. and we can only go so far, but right. you're talking when to the, the man. actors that <laughs> deep in it, yeah, yeah. Talking to the man. He was actually, fully committed to that role. See, now, 100%. Yeah. And they were, like, when, when Hunter S. Thompson wrote the book, Raul Duke was basically him, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Gonzo was his whoever his companion or lawyer or whatever was at the time i find it hard they to are not actually their lawyer. real names you yeah. know what i mean oh 100 like, they were so aliases raw duke was hunter s thompson right because right, mm. the book came out of that the, the book came out of that weekend so i don't even know if he actually ever wrote an article even in the book right now w- when we do the rum diaries and johnny depp plays hunter s he's playing hunter s thompson like because mm-hmm. the rum diaries was actually like autobiographical mm. yeah so. okay interesting I didn't so know yeah if you're really interested in seeing just Rum how far deep johnny depp went down that rabbit hole yeah. of figuring out who his his character portrayal was as a person like you really see it in the rum diaries like he almost if you know hunter s thompson like the way i don't know him like johnny depp does obviously mm-hmm. but the way i've studied him in his readings and like all his interviews and his mannerisms he nailed it. Like, I felt mm. like I was watching a prettier, less bald yeah, Hunter right. <laughs> No offense, Hunter. Um, you want to talk about ugly, ugly in that uh, movie, Topher Grace. 
Is it Topher Grace? No, who? No, to Toby no, McGuire. Toby McGuire showing yeah. up as a bald had, hitchhiker. And <laughs> as if, you know, I mean, he's not the ugliest guy, but he's not the handsomest man in Hollywood. They had, like, a prosthetic nose and oh, a fake man. bald cap oh, on him. He like, did, he did looked freaky, bro. He just, they picked him up somewhere near the beginning of the movie out in the middle of the desert as a hitchhiker, and he's, like, as strange as they are. And he, yeah, it's... Looking as weird as Chris Elliott in Scary Movie. Boom. Without oh. the strong hands. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Same uh, yeah. haircut Highly recommend yeah. it. Nice pick, Joe. So I just added one to mine because uh, our, list, our list this week were very in line. And um, the way that things have been going, I was like, okay, I do want to add something a little different. Um, but this is the first time a director has gotten twice on our list. And I think for my last recommendation, I'm going with Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Okay. All right. Movie about... Uh, Should Fear and Loathing for You, man. I had way better ones on there. Oh, just go, just go ahead. Way we're gonna, better. We're going to well, okay, do the so review here's the thing. I had, yeah, I had some other ones, but there are ones where it's like, okay, do I really need to tell people to watch these movies? And we'll talk about them. We'll, di sure. we'll digest them. Yeah. But as far as ones that... I, I personally think that Jackie Brown is probably one of the most underrated Quentin Tarantino movies mm -hmm. and probably the least watched when it comes to people who have seen a lot of his movies. And I... It's one that's not based on an original Tarantino idea, right? It's based on, um, I forget the name of the author. Um, it's not a true story, though. No, it's, it's not a, a true story. It's based on a book. Based on a book. But it's not Quentin Tarantino originated. Original, yeah. right. Um, the way that he uses time in that third act, and he, have you seen Jackie Brown? Nope. Okay. Highly Another recommend one on the list. Another oh, one. See, that's, that's usually like the reactions. When I tell people, so, I'm so like, how much but like I said, fiction. This is like the closest yeah. one it's of one his. one of it's one of his says. underrated people because of when it came out. It came out pre Kill Bill. It came out post Pulp Fiction, mm -hmm. and it just it didn't hit the way that others did. It doesn't have any gory, bloody scenes. It doesn't have any really? big action sequences that you would think of. But it's smart and it's clever. And it's got um, Pam Greer. Pam Greer's the lead. She's a stewardess, and she gets roped in by the DEA uh, to Fonda. to nail one of the bigger drug dealers, um, played by Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson, and of course. And she's double crossing. She's double crossing both her drug dealer Sam Jackson and the DEA, and she's running drugs in and out of Mexico on her flights, mm. right? And she is tired of being pushed around for just being a no good um, a woman, for lack of better terms. Like mm -hmm. you know, she's she's put up with shit. She's she's not doing well in life, and she's done everything she should. And now here's life like she gets. I forget what gets her caught originally. Um, I haven't seen that movie in so long. She gets the it's DEA. Good. The DEA comes hones in it. on her for some bullshit, and she just she takes it into her own hands. And so the movie follows her turmoil of going in in jail, out of jail with um, one of Sam Jackson's more fun roles, um, and then uh, Robert Forrester plays a, a bounty, uh, a bail bondsman mm -hmm. who kind of falls in love with her. He he puts her bail up and he gets involved and so it's this very uh elmore leonard elmore leonard is the writer yeah. uh it's this very 
It feels like an old 70s black exploitation type of movie, so I think this was Tarantino's approach. Like, you know, he does different genres each yeah. time he goes in, and, and how can I make this my own? So yep. this is, you know, he he, he uses, you know, uh, Jackie Brown, you know, Foxy Brown, the original, it puts her in, and she's older and, and hasn't been seen in movies in a long time, and he did to her what he, or tried to do with her what he did with, um, Travolta. Uh, Travolta and kind Jump of reinvigorate and she yeah. does a fucking amazing job yeah. all the cast the whole cast in this does an amazing job think, it's a character piece I think mm -hmm. he did jumpstart her career as much as it was going to be jumpstarted like, yeah she that's did fair. start making more appearances but like in stuff like Pootie Tang and yeah, right like so you know cultural movies but not to the standing that she's capable of, but it, she got back to earning again. So. I don't <laughs> think Jackie Brown is always the credit refreshing. that it deserves, and so I, don't I had either. to put it yeah, on the list because I, I think it's it's a movie in the pantheon of Quentin Tarantino movies that gets, for whatever reason, <clears throat> because it's not as flashy, because it's not as violent, whatever the case may be, it's just not as talked about, and I think is one of his his better stories. Uh, and better approaches. It's funny. It's got uh, it's uh, a, a young like you Chris say, Tucker. A different approach than Quentin Tarantino so usually takes. We were so. talking about chronology, right? So mm -hmm. Pulp Fiction just was the whole thing was out of whack. With Jackie Brown, the story is sequential up until a point, and then you split off and you see this one particular moment, not moment, series of moments mm -hmm. from multiple different perspectives. Oh, so a bunch of parallel And it stories. all kind of wraps you in. You're like, ah, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. And so the, the third act is this this whole like, ah, what? Okay. <coughs> and, it, and it is done very well. And I, he's not done that since. You ready to roll that die? I've got these things fucking numbered, bro. I am ahead of the game today. All right, let's see what you got. Right. Shake that wrist for us. I'm gonna let Fred. I'm gonna let yeah, Fred roll this die. Give honors. it a good shake. Yeah. There's a twelve sided. This is to determine what we're gonna watch and uh, talk about next week. Alrighty. Next episode. We gotta stop saying week because we don't know if we're gonna do these weekly. Nine. It's the next one that comes up. Nine. Yeah, that's my yeah. episode. Nine. Not week. Nine is Jackie Brown. Oh, nice. Okay, All so right I, I'll get to watch cool. that then. Yeah. What platform is it on? <laughs> that's uh, a good question. That's a good question. Let's now for that question. Watch. I usually go to the app Just Watch. Yep, I'm gonna yep. go to Just okay. Watch, and we'll see right now what that bad boy is on. I'll tell you everywhere it is for free and for rent. And no, they're not paying us. Just a good app. <laughs> right. Just a good app. It's free. All right, Jackie Brown is. Wow, we might have to roll again. This motherfucker's not watchable. Oh, anywhere. Yes. Yeah, really? They pulled the surf ninjas on you? Now, here's the thing. I, I actually own this movie so we could watch it, but yeah, how, is anyone, how is anyone else going to fucking watch this thing? Like, you're telling me you can't, it's not on YouTube? It doesn't even say. You can't rent it? Doesn't it? Even, dude, it doesn't even list Amazon. That's yeah, crazy. I can't even rent it on Amazon? Like, can I buy a DVD you know on Amazon? Okay, so if I'm, putting, if I'm putting speculation out there, he did all his business with uh, What's-His-Nuts um, the author? No, that fucktard who's sitting in jail rotting. Oh, um, Weinstein. Weinstein. Yes. Yeah. So it's under the belt. It's yeah, probably it's under the okay. limbo, baby. Yeah, all, right. all right. Well, you're gonna have to give that die another roll, there, all Fred. Right. That sucks. Number five. Uh, number five is Clockers. 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 Welcome rewatch. Very welcome rewatch. Yes. And honestly, 
I've not seen that as much as Jackie Brown. So it's been a very a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. So refresh. let's see where that one plays. Just watch. Is that Peacock? I have. I own it on Vudu, um, so I know that's where we'll probably watch it. But I let's have see the Peacocks. Else. Yep, I got Peacock. Oh, this one lists like quite a bit. So you can rent it on um, Apple TV. Yep, uh, Pre- Peacock Premium. It is rentable on Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, and you can buy it on DirecTV, Redbox, Apple TV, and Amazon. So no, that's, it's available that. out there way more yeah. than uh, Jackie Brown. So next well, week, that's because Spike Lee doesn't fuck with predatory people uh, tell stories uh, you know a lot of that because it was well, i think it was a miramax release miramax went under there's probably a yeah, lot of different lot distribution of issues going on right now because that. of that because of that that's a shame because a lot of tarantino's career is tied in with weinstein and it's not even viable on amazon no that's crazy all right wow. so we're gonna watch clockers we're gonna discuss that next week fred it was such next a episode, pleasure having Joe. you thank you yeah, I next episode. So that's right. And don't snap your fingers into the mic. Jesus. <laughs> Did I snap? Yes. Like uh, three times. We'll I, have to watch the tape. Each time. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to get better with it. So yeah, uh, what's okay. on your what's on your didn't make it list, Joe? What's your honorable mentions? Oh, the honorable mentions. I think we, we went quite a bit long today, so let's do we this did. one uh, with some uh Let's brevity. just some gusto on this. Okay, so obvious... Uh, Stoner movies, Half Baked, How High, oh, yeah. Pineapple mm-hmm. Express. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Juice, Scarface. Yep. Um, I avoided Scarface. From Hell, which is about heroin and it's a detective. Yeah, so that's yep. Johnny Depp. I did think about Heather that, Graham but I didn't know because it was tied with his character. What's his name? He plays Bilbo Baggins. Right. Yeah. yeah the, the Chase and the Dragon. Great, was... great movie. Um, the movie Crash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Requiem for a Dream, The Basketball Diaries, but I did mention those in my explanation of mm-hmm. why I picked another one. Yep. Uh, Spun, which we both were. Yep. And Tarnation. I'm not familiar now, with Tarnation. Tarnation uh, is more about this guy with um, what you call a disassociative disorder. Okay. But he has to take a lot of drugs to deal with that. And the movie is this 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 guy who suffers this made this movie himself. And he shoots it all weird mm-hmm. because that's how he actually, like, sees the world, like, visually, like, his the way his mind interprets it is how he edited the movie. So it's, I, it, it didn't really fit, but it's so, like, one-off and unique that I just had to mention it. Tarnation. Probably hard to find. I don't know. My wife and I have it on DVD. Of course, it older was, movie she, she owned it. Yeah, definitely an older movie. Yeah. That's interesting. We did have a lot of crossover this week, so there were a lot of things that you mentioned that uh, I'm not going to repeat on here, but the ones that uh, weren't mentioned, uh, Blow, um, Goodfellas, uh, right up there yeah. with Scarface, you know, like yeah. they're epics. Mm-hmm. Um, with mentioning Wolf of Wall Street, I, I felt like that kind of... Goodfellas, though. Like, if you ain't seen Goodfellas... This like, is what I'm saying. What's the matter you? What's uh, the matter you? What's the matter you? Uh, casino. <laughs> um, but I also considered Traffic which was uh, Steven Soderbergh, 2001, and that hits all different sides of the drug trade, from the users to the sellers to the police, and so that's... But I put on Crash instead, which is very similar, but also totally different, like... But same I avoided realm, talking right? about mm-hmm. traffic because I don't think I've seen it in almost twenty something years. Like I remember watching it, yeah. I own it, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a rewatchable type of movie because I got the point when I watched it. Yeah. It's definitely been long enough that it it's due a rewatch, but yeah. I didn't feel confident enough to discuss it. Ooh. Um also uh Sorry. the Big Lebowski. Um, 
but I felt I'd save it to watch. Uh, there's probably another list that qualifies more. Come on, I mean, they, it's it's, what, it's he weed smokes, all the way, all the joints, all the way. I mean, it's tied into his character as much as it is for from hell. It's not part of the story, but it's part of the character. But no, that's no, why I didn't I mean, bring it up. The doctor and the detective are both heroin addicts. Like that, mm -hmm. that ties in. There's a whole drug hallucination scene in the Big Lebowski. So yeah. Well, but I mean, that's not the marijuana though. That he, he yeah, it's still drug. Motherfucker got roofied. He, uh, okay. Damn, that sucks. I'm proving his point for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Fred, thank you so much uh, for our Patreon listeners. Uh, Fred is gonna stick around with us, and we're gonna do a quick little industry chat. Uh, so Why I are you think doing uh, that in the episode. What? 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 So they, they can uh, so they can come in. Anyways, uh, thank you everybody for listening, uh, and we will be here next time on the Unorthodox Film Podcast.